0: Greetings everyone and welcome to the Spooky Stacks. This is Jay, the Crypt Keeper.
1: And I'm Shanarly because every major every character in, that's important in both of these movies is named some form or variant on Charles or Charlie.
2: Hmm,
1: yeah, there's a lot of
2: Charlies. This is the, yeah.
1: The Chucky edition or the Chuck edition.
0: Hmm, all all Charles. So our first film to to kick off our I guess the first proper spooky stack. You know, last week was, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of a transition. Spooky
1: uh, adjacent.
0: Yeah, uh we we're starting with a a fundamental. We've got Shadow of a Doubt uh from Alfred Hitchcock, uh, uh reportedly his own favorite of his films from 1943.
1: A pretty co- cool movie uh that also kind of feels like the 90s sitcom before the 90s sitcoms like like the proto sitcom
0: it's got that really uh leave it to beaver energy to it there, there's a whole family comedy style to a lot of it and then it's like this uh a serial killer intruding on that environment mm-hmm. it seems mostly like a really high energy 40s comedy For a lot of the runtime, And then just like there's just this one Dark character comes in And he just is twisted (laughs) He's like oh there's a villain Yeah he
1: just (laughs) Yeah they're having all their fun like Dinner party or dinner table Shenanigans and he's like I'm going to do a villain monologue now Mm -hmm. Then he does it as like Oh well maybe don't Say that in front of the book club Or whatever Oh that Charlie he's funny
0: Oh, yeah, you know how men are. Uh, It's like (laughs) there's this whole weird energy to this. Like, it feels strangely ahead of its time. I think in much the same way we felt elements of Saboteur were. Uh, For instance, just the titles, which are pretty classy and simple. We we have the Merry Widow waltz playing and we see a bunch of old timey waltzing couples.
1: But it's like uh, something about this scene was just really unsettling. How they just they all seemed to be like, uh, oh, man, it's hard to explain. But they, they felt like they were all copy pasted duplicates of one another. I,
0: I agree. There is something strangely eerie about the scene. And I think that's intentional. And it actually feels very Lynchian. Like uh, th- this is a device that Lynch uses quite a bit in Mulholland Drive. Like this exact oh, one yeah. with like dancing 40s couples.
1: Yeah, and how the waltz is never connected to anything that's happening in the story. It's just uses a as a transition or like a like an establishing shot that doesn't establish what's happening.
0: It's not an establishing shot. It's a thing that just uh it, it recurs thematically when uh there are moments that are just eerie. So it's like this isn't a thing that anyone experiences. It's just weirdly we get flashes of this waltz uh without context for quite some time and and it's eerie.
1: Mm-hmm. It uh, it just seems to be it seems like it would just go on forever if you let it.
0: Yeah. Uh so we we start a really interesting progression of shots where the camera kind of shows that we're on the bad side of town. Mm -hmm. It it just sort of tracks from like the, the nasty side of the river and we see like hobos and junked cars and row houses on really dirty streets and ending up at this downtown rooming house. That's just sort of on the border of the bad end of town (laughs) where we're introduced to uncle Charlie.
1: Uh, Uncle Charlie poor guy just wants to get some sleep and he just can't
0: well here he's playing uh he he is role playing a Mr. Spencer I believe uh, and
1: uh, yeah Mr. Spencer
0: yeah so played by Joseph Cotton you know legend uh, you, you'll remember him from Citizen Kane
1: oh shit he was in that too. who did he play there
0: he was like his second he was his right hand guy Oh, uh, okay yeah, you know, the the one who uh, wrote the theater reviews and got, you know, fired over the really negative review of his wife.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool.
0: So, we we meet him. He's lying in bed, smoking a cigar. And the camera pans to show that there's money on the bedside table, but, like, spilling out onto the floor.
1: We never really find out where he gets all this money. He just... He's well he's obviously involved in something besides the main thing that we find out about. But yeah,
0: we yeah, that's absolutely not... know where he gets it from. He he's a merry widow. He he marries women and seduces the, like old people and he kills them and he makes off with their money and like under a different name.
1: How the fuck did I not make that connection? Oh my god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh wow, I feel okay, well. All right. I feel it's silly. kind
0: of the, the whole point, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's kind of the whole point, and that's why he was like getting all cozy, cozy with the widow, Mrs.
0: Lady, Potter. And, yeah, or Porter um, Potter. We'll, we'll we'll get we'll get to her. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So
1: oh, okay, uh, wow. I thought he was just killing them for fun because he didn't like what they stood for, and then just was trading drugs on the side. It didn't even occur to me that what he did it was how he got his money too. Oh
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, You know that's that's the the merry widow point, and that's like how he immediately sees her uh, later as a target, Mm -hmm. Uh, and continues like she's she's even there at the end. Uh, So yeah, yeah. he he is Mister Spencer here, uh, the lady who runs the place, who's very intrusive.
1: I feel so invasive oh my god like oh you're so tired mr spencer why don't you get some sleep mr spencer is somebody disturbing you and preventing you from getting your sleep mr spencer oh well here let me just tidy up all your shit in your room mr spencer go through your things mr spencer why aren't you asleep mr
0: spencer well like first she's like there are these two guys looking for you which is very troubling to him and we don't know why uh, and it's going to be a really long time before we understand why, even though we'll see these guys continue to follow him for quite a while.
1: Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious that these guys are cops.
0: Well, yeah, it, it's obvious that well, they're after they him. could for have something. been
1: government or – yeah, they could have been government or they could have been mafia for all I know, I guess.
0: Yeah, they, they really could be any kind of thing. But – yeah she sees the money spilling onto the floor and is like oh my gosh money and she's like oh i better pick that up and oh you gotta be careful about your money
1: and spencer's just got this look on his face like i can't kill her
0: he's like mrs martin please oh my god (laughs) uh and and he's I, i like i'm 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 not sure how to read him, ultimately, because I, I don't know if he's fatalistic or if he's kind of just looking to get caught by this point.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say.
0: He he does feel that they've sort of closed in on him, but he, he says to her to let them in, uh, that they're not his friends. But like if they return and ask for him, yeah, just uh, fine. Let them in. I don't care.
1: Yeah. Um, well, maybe he thinks he can get away with it. Like, well, because, because they haven't seen his face,
0: yeah, I don't know, Because uh, he he just it, it does sort of suggest to me that he is sort of ready to give up to like he he is in a weird transitional space the whole time he's doing this, like he he in his like returning to his home or returning to his family and stuff,
1: yeah, yeah, it's hard to say i i I don't know if he was thinking like he wants to like hang up the whole serial killer thing i I don't really get that impression more like
0: well it's hard to say because he wants to establish himself in that town and he he really wants to just stay there and he seems to have a lot of money uh banked up already
1: yeah i'm not sure what his like what his end game was in the in the town there
2: yeah i mean it doesn't work out to
1: lay low yeah, yeah, he doesn't initially get close to
0: Certainly initially He's definitely just trying to lay low uh, But
1: then, you know, Mrs. Potter Comes along and is like, oh, well <laughs> You can get out of the game But the game will still find you So or, I don't know how it goes
0: So when, when uh, Mrs. Martin finally leaves uh, He gets up And he's, like, angry He throws a glass across the room And then he, like, really carefully peeks out the window to see the two guys who are just still hanging out on the corner.
1: Yeah. Uh, I like what he ends up doing, though. He just walks right by him.
0: Yeah, he he just takes a couple important things and he just leaves. He's done.
1: Yep.
0: He walks directly past them. He even kind of brushes into one of them to, like, show them. It's like, yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're like, hey, oh, shit. It's not the guy. Oh, <laughs> damn. Well, well, it's I, I they
0: they clearly know immediately that it's him, but they can't show that they know that they know it's him, right? Yeah. So, they they wait until he's passed and they try to follow, but like he does lose them. Cool, oh, like yeah. array of spaces.
1: Yeah, yeah. He ends up like being on the rooftop overlooking them as they like split up, and then they meet up in the middle. Like, where did he go? He vanished.
0: What the hell? So he sends a telegram to a Mrs. Newton in Santa Rosa, California, say he's coming for a visit. And and he signs it a kiss from Uncle Charlie.
1: Uh I like I like the telegram lady. We don't meet her just yet, but we we do meet uh, is it Anne that we meet here?
0: I love Anne. Anne is my favorite character.
1: <laughs> Anne is like if Lisa Simpson and Millhouse did a fusion dance.
0: She, so A- A- Anne is the little sister of our main character, basically, and I'm not sure exactly how old she's supposed to be. I guess twelve-ish, but like going on forty-five.
1: <laughs> she she knows everything, and she will tell you everything. Well, and, and she's like just
0: extremely like... moralistic. Like she she's <laughs> like she she's in charge of everything.
1: Well, you would know that if you read more books, but you don't read because you're dumb,
0: right? So, so we're we're introduced to her reading a book, Ivanhoe.
1: I've heard of it, but I don't know what the I don't know Ivanhoe.
0: It's like some medieval epic. I have never read it myself either. It's it's oh, like okay. it, it, it used to be like a big curricula book in maybe the the 40s era when uh, th- this was made. But you know, she she's got like y- you mentioned anime in the chat earlier. Uh, In terms of the characterizations. And I I guess it's because it's so heightened. And it's 40s. So it's a little before. The modern conception of the teen. But like. She has an anime energy to her as well. And she.
1: Yeah she would be. If this were set like in the 2000s. She would be the one who's really good at hacking.
0: Because she's she's got like the pigtails. She's got the glasses. uh, And She won't put down the book to answer the phone, so she's very laboriously answering it by not putting it down.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's, like, taking her sweet time, grabbing the stool, because the phone is mounted way too high, in my opinion. I don't know why it's like that.
0: Well, that's pretty typical in a home, and also, she's little.
1: <laughs> she's little, but, like, we see later on, the mother even has to, like, crane her neck to reach the mouth part of the phone. mm
0: mm-hmm. Uh, But she does not take the telegram uh, (laughs) because she can't
2: find
1: a pen.
0: Well, also, she's like, I'm trying to keep my mind free of things that don't
1: matter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. your telegram shit is not important. My book is.
0: Well, and also, I have so much taking up my mind. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, from what we see of her to come, I, I would say that's fair, that seems to be true. <laughs> so dad gets home uh which is uh uh joseph
1: uh, oh, he, and, he is like so the typical uh, 40s all-american good old dad guy it,
0: well like he, he reminds me a lot of uh the old man from christmas story uh, it, it, more of a retro version of that guy. He, he he's a little edgier than like a Ward Cleaver, even though this oh, kind of right. has, even though this kind of has sort of a Leave It to Beaver energy to it.
1: He does have he he gets into he gets into the macabre a little bit, even though with his especially with his uh, buddy uh, uh, Barney Rubble played by Rick Moranis.
0: Uh, Herbie Hawkins, the the great Hume Cronin, uh, major old guy actor in the eighties and nineties. Like he's in Cocoon, he's like the main okay. guy in Cocoon.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Uh, he he gets home and she tells him about the telegram, uh, and scolds him about. He he has all of his mystery and true true crime books. He, he's got like a whole subscription to a whole bunch of different magazines. <laughs>
1: He'd be all about those podcasts. Uh, oh now. yeah,
0: yeah, no. I know. I like. I'd probably get along with this dude more or less. Oh, uh, he, he's got like sort of a, a different, weird way of going about it. He, he and his buddy—they're—I <laughs> I mean, w- one of the things that I thought about a lot while I was watching the movie is like the, this is the pre-television era. So, like, all you have is radio and magazines, and uh, everyone really had to rely on their imagination quite a bit more. hmm Like, there, there's a lot of imagination games going on with everybody, including all of the adults. Like, imagination is not just the domain of children.
1: Tr- very true, very true.
0: And I feel like um, maybe it sort of has become that since this time.
1: hmm you, you know, I never thought about that, but, yeah, there is a lot more, like, yeah, we see the the man of the house doing his, like, silly, child imaginary things, like, the equivalent of, here's how I would survive the zombie apocalypse that we all did back in the aughts.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, and then I really like the reveal that Charlie, who, I, I'm not really sure of what her age is supposed to be. I, I think she is 18, right?
1: I hope she's 18 Well, i mean yeah i can't a
0: teen like a
1: teenager oh Oh, yeah she's a teenager i i can't yeah i can't get a grasp on it either because if she's like 14 or 16 this movie is like parts of this movie get kind of gross yeah i don't
0: think she's supposed to be that young like she she's supposed to be like older in high school but like at, at least 16 can remember, it's the 40s. <laughs> uh, true, true. But, but, like, again, this is before the concept of the teen was really a thing. That, that really sort of came into its own in the 50s with uh, the introduction of cars uh, being pretty widely available to, you know, at, at low prices to suburban teens. Like, that, that's where it sort of became its own culture. And so this is interesting as a proto-teen character.
1: She kind of reminds me, at least at first, of like of a Gen X teenager, like a, like a Winona Ryder, just in the first scene where she's lying on the bed. She's very until moody. She yeah, until she starts, you know, having weird crushes on every older man that enters her life. Then that's that's a little different from the from the 90s Gen X teen. But, you know,
0: that's what you think. That's
1: what I thought of at first. It, it, hmm.
0: But uh, so. She she's really moody. She's she's laying in bed and she's just been thinking. And she she couldn't get up to answer the telegram because she was too busy thinking uh, how like the family is in a rut.
1: (laughs) And Joe's like, "Oh yeah, tell me about this rut that I've supposedly put the family in."
0: And and she's just like, obviously she's just bored. She's a bored teenager, and and she's really bored because it's still the forties and there is no like teen culture to start getting into. And yeah, it's like, man, we're just going through this same capitalist routine every day. Like everybody gets up and goes to work and I go to school or whatever. And she, she wants the SLA to come into her life.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, Charlie, your new name is Charlie, but spelled different.
0: And, and she says to her dad, I don't believe in good intentions. I'm just waiting for a miracle. And I guess she gets a dirty miracle of a sort, uh, uh, referring back to our Sound and Fury and Benedetta episode. This feels like Charlie is sort of a, a little uh, dirty miracle that she was looking for. He he comes and shakes things up, just as she wanted.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, she doesn't get to be bored again for the rest of the movie.
0: No, not for some time. Uh, we we have no idea how things go after, her, but there's going to be some things to deal with. Uh, mm-hmm. So. So mom gets home too. Uh, she's uh, complaining. I, I think something some issue with her hat. <laughs>
1: she is. She
0: a strange is lady.
1: such the housewife.
0: She she's got a very oh. intense performance.
1: She's very oh I let the men folk handle the men folk things.
0: Well, like I she she must have had a very strange childhood. Uh, So she is the sister of our uh, main evil guy.
1: Yeah, she would have grown up with... I never even thought about that. What was growing up with this guy like?
0: Well, she talks about it a little bit, and it doesn't sound great. Uh, And and it sort of refers back to the origins of the issues with him. So what I feel with... with, uh, Charlie, young Charlie This is going to get confusing I guess
1: Oh uh, yes, so the two characters Are both named Charlie We have Charles two main and characters. Charlotte <laughs> Yeah uh,
0: uh, But yeah, she's just Charlie And he's Uncle Charlie so we'll, we'll try to keep that straight uh, yeah. But I, I think she's interesting She's a very realistically Drawn uh, Early teen in cinema I I feel oh, like She's a
1: great character I mean <laughs>
0: She, she's she got this weird energy to her
1: mm-hmm. I love the performance uh, Of the actress I, I didn't catch oh, yeah. her name
0: uh, Teresa Wright uh, So uh, she, she Decides she's going to send Uncle Charlie a telegram Which is interesting She's going to go send a telegram to him Rather than him Coming to her Because they, they've missed the telegram to her While she's been thinking about sending a telegram to him
1: when you know it is like telepathy
0: that's right
1: <laughs> which is funny that like that she knows about telepathy in the 1940s it seems like it would have been kind of a niche thing back then
0: i i don't know because this is when you had all of the weird revivalist churches and stuff in the depression era oh and, true well and and also remember her dad is deep into true crime stuff i mean i feel like she would have been introduced to this sort of esoterica
1: mm, that's a good point uh so uh, one thing
0: that i think is really notable is when she asks her mom for uncle charlie's address There, there's a moment where she looks quietly startled before she's like uh, uh you know he he's probably a busy man we shouldn't uh, send, like, she's looking for excuses not to contact him, despite her being pretty worshipful of him when he does show up.
1: Yeah, like, as soon as he's on the scene, she is 100% pro-Uncle Charlie, like, right up until the end.
0: Yeah, like, there there are occasional times where you, you see her refer back to old times or thinking about other things where there's a shadow, but, like, she's determined not to believe it.
1: Oh, Yeah. Looking back, I can I can see I can see that.
0: Uh, So so uh, ultimately she can't convince Charlie not to go send the telegram. So she leaves for the telegram office, and the little brother shows up, who's also a lot of fun.
1: (laughs) I love this kid. I love one thing I've noticed is that nobody pays attention to anything this kid says or does. Well,
0: because all his things are are just counting. Like his thing right now is counting steps. Uh, oh like, he, yeah! I I just came from the drugstore. It's six hundred and forty nine steps. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he likes. To, he's got all the statistics of everything memorized.
0: Like all of the kids have a bit. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: one thing that's interesting, just I I think Hitchcock was really great with child actors. Like he he clearly was really good at working with child actors.
1: Oh yeah, he. Yeah, he must have been, because he got two great performances out of these kids.
0: Yeah, and, like, even the, the, I like, I would say Teresa Wright is basically a child performance. She is a teen. Uh, I, I don't know if she was actually a teen. Maybe not. She was born in 1918, so she would have been uh, 25, which makes, that, yeah, that, that seems about right.
1: Yeah, that's. That's, mentally, that's where I clocked, that's where I clocked her. Um,
0: Her character feels somewhere around, like, 16 going on 25, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So, Mom calls the telegram office because Anne has passed on uh, that she... Got a call from the telegram office, but didn't take it because there was... A, there, well, you must understand, there was no pencil and If it were my house, there would be <laughs> pencils. There were,
1: there'd be sharpened pencils everywhere if I were running
0: things. And when Mom uh, calls the telegram office, she really shouts on the phone.
1: <laughs> you don't have to shout into the thing, Mom.
0: They're not far away. Uh, we, which... Okay, so... On the one hand, my dad does this, and I I have, like, complaints my dad shouts anytime he's on the phone to, like, Saskatchewan, which is funny. Uh, But I feel like this would have more weight if Anne weren't giving kind of a shouty child actor performance. Like, everything she's said up to this point has been shouted.
1: Yes yeah the funny thing is the one time she tries to whisper she gets shot down it's like oh you mustn't whisper everyone will hear you when you because you whisper so loudly
0: well she does a big stage whisper of course because she has yeah. to do a stage whisper because she's in a movie
1: eh,
0: yeah well, it's true <laughs> this is sort of a self-aware thing too so they they find out that charlie uncle charlie is coming on thursday uh, and meanwhile, uh, at the telegram office, uh, Charlie is writing out her telegram and gets the message as well.
1: So I love, I love this scene where she is talking to the, to the telegram lady about how she telepathy. thinks it's all telepathy. It's like, she's explaining like, oh, I was just thinking about uncle Charlie. And then just like that, uncle Charlie, uh, sent this telegram do you believe in telepathy and she's like well I ought to it's my job
0: (laughs) right yeah telepathy (laughs) the telepathy office
1: no not tele not telegraphy telepathy and then she goes on to explain it she's like my favorite one shot just working at a store character probably since the flower lady in the room Mm -hmm. she's like I just send telegrams the old fashioned way or or the, the normal way is what she says just, uh, like, so, completely not listening and just trying to be polite.
0: hmm So uh, this is where we have our uh, cameo of Hitchcock uh, in all of his movies, of course.
1: Oh, I missed it. Where is he here?
0: Uh, he's playing bridge uh, with the doctor uh, and the lady on the train when Charlie is traveling in under an assumed name.
1: Oh, yeah, where Uncle Charlie is... Uh Just faking being really sick, so that nobody'll bother him,
0: yeah, well, and so he doesn't show his face because he you know there there's probably a description oh. for him, and there's you know police after him
1: uh, that too,
0: so he's calling himself a Mr. Otis, and he's only communicating through uh the uh, the the train conductor guy uh-huh. uh and Charlie catches the very end. Of his sick act uh, he, Like he, he's the only person getting off At this station so like the, everybody Helps him off and he has this Whole elaborate sick Walk and she sees Him acting Weird for just a moment
1: Then he Yeah then he basically uh, does The usual suspects uh, Where he goes to like a normal walk
0: Yeah he, he walks and it up and,
1: and he just laughs hey, hey, it off hey, hey, I'm not sick at all
0: He's like that looked so funny, you know. That's really strange. Like, ah, yeah, yeah, that that wasn't a thing you saw. Never mind. Never you mind. <laughs>
1: yeah, never you mind. This is just the first of many ways I'll gaslight you.
0: Yeah, and you know, I mean, Gaslight was a recent movie, so this was a pretty recent terminology to uh, uh, the 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 lexicon. Uh, gaslight was a movie from like a few years before this, I think. Oh wow! Okay so uh, uncle charlie is going to be staying in charlie's room again so confusing we're gonna have charlie and charlie's room <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah.
1: He,
0: he has this whole thing with the dad about don't put your hat on the bed
1: oh because it's bad luck or well i'm not superstitious but why take the risk though right I take
0: the risk exactly Which, uh, again, this is sort of why I feel uh, there's good reason for Charlie to have a background in uh, telepathy as a concept. Her her dad's probably got that all locked up.
1: He does seem, you know, the more I think about it, he does seem like he'd be into whatever the 40s equivalent of the nerd shit is.
0: Oh, totally. Uh, And so Charlie, Uncle Charlie, looks out the window. And it's kind of a, a a mirror shot of the shot when he looked out the window at the rooming house. But instead of two cops at the fence, it's two old ladies in, like, Sunday dresses gossiping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, ah, I mean, that's much less dangerous. Or is it?
1: Or is <laughs> it? <laughs> don't, don't mess with gossiping old ladies. Oh, my God.
0: You, you really shouldn't. And he <laughs> he tempts fate. He throws his hat on the bed laughing. Like, ah, I contempt bad luck.
1: I'll be safe here. This isn't where I did all my or may have done all my crimes.
0: So he's got gifts for everybody. Uh including for the mom, he's got this antique photo of their parents, which he gets very emotional about.
1: Oh yeah, the mom is like super living in the past with Charlie, like, oh, All he has to do is just bring up the name of the, like, the address of the house they lived on and she gets like, oh, things were better.
0: Yeah. And him too. Like, he's very nostalgic. It's just he's angrier about it. Yeah. Because, like, he's always talking about a a lost past that was so innocent. The whole world was better
1: then. Not like now. Well, he has, like, this whole, he has a whole speech later
0: on Yeah, everything's bad now. Yeah. So... Charlie doesn't want a gift. <laughs> She's this is like the teeniest thing where like she just like, no, everything is so perfect. Any change will ruin it. It, it, it You'll ruin it because it's already perfect.
1: And he's like, well, I'm going to give you this gift anyway, which unbeknownst to both of us will ruin everything. But, you know, yeah. neither of us knows that yet.
0: Right. And so it's mentioned here. And this is sort of like the the third or fourth time that it's mentioned. they make it very clear because she is named after him for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which shows just how close uh, the mom is to this brother. Mm-hmm. Even though he, he seems to have been away for a while. Maybe because he's messed up. But like, she's yeah, supposedly cause... just like him.
1: Yeah. Supposedly. I don't really see it.
0: They say we're like twins. And she's like, but but I've got it. I feel deep down that inside you there's something nobody knows, and I'm gonna find <laughs> out what
1: it is. And he's he's just like, there's there's no deep dark secrets inside of me. I'm not a murderer. What are you what are you talking about? Don't well, don't dig too deep.
0: Well, it's weird how she phrases it because it's something secret and wonderful, and I'll find it out it's like yeah. i mean you're almost all the way there 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 is you're something so secret you you did see him doing something weird and uh it, it is weird cause...
1: The wonderful like what would the best case scenario be about what secret could be wonderful
0: well i don't think there is one and th- th- that's sort of maybe the <laughs> point but uh, I I feel like this is a good pairing with our other film, Child's Play 3, which we'll get to later, uh, in that both of them have a real thing about underst- listening to children and believing children. Uh, and that, like, where where children do sometimes see more than adults and that, that like, it's harder for them to witness and express these things. Much easier for their testimony to be uh, fucked with in in different ways. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, she she gives him this ring, an emerald ring. After saying, yeah, it's not good to find out too much, Charlie. (laughs) So she finds an engraving that very faint on the ring that says T.S. from B.M. It's like, well, I don't know who are those people. He's like, oh, we'll we'll just take that back.
1: The jeweler, he scammed me. I'll just take this ring back and give it to the jeweler and get him to fix it. Uh, And, you know, hide the evidence. Cough, cough, cough. Oh, no, I'm going to keep the ring, actually. I think it's cool.
0: And notably, when we see the engraving, we get a flash of the waltzing old people uh, and, and the waltz. You know the the opening credits
1: waltz. Yeah, the, the spooky, uncanny Valley waltz thing. That, yeah,
0: it, yeah, it, like it really does play like a Lynchian motif, which I think is really cool. Uh, I mean, uh, he also did work with Salvador Dali a, a, around this time in the '40s. So oh, I mean, cool. you know, Hitchcock was doing cool stuff. Oh yes. Uh, so they're they're at the dinner table, or Charlie is setting the dinner table rather, and she's humming. The Merry Widow waltz, but she can't quite remember what it is, why it's in her head. Uh, uh, here's where Uncle Charlie is just uh bragging about all his money, how he's gonna go open a bank account tomorrow with forty thousand dollars.
1: Yeah, and Joe's like, Oh, uh, what?
0: yeah, I, I sure. I mean, I mean, my bank would be happy to get uh, an account of that size. And... The the youngest boy is like, you don't want to give it to the bank because the government will take it all. And he gets into an argument with Anne because Anne's really pro-government.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Don't talk bad about the
2: government.
0: I won't have you say a bad thing about the president in this household.
1: (laughs) Oh, who would have been the president at this time? Probably somebody not great.
0: Uh, I think this would be Roosevelt. So not bad. Not not terrible.
1: not, Not the worst.
0: But yeah, th- then they get into this whole discussion about the the waltz. Because uh, she's trying to remember the name of the waltz, and there's like, oh, well, you know, it's a waltz. I'm like, I know it's a waltz, but what waltz is it? And I think he does maybe suggest the Blue Danube. He's like, no, that's not
1: oh, he it. suggests it, okay.
0: Yeah, he suggests it, was... it because he knows exactly what it is.
1: Yeah, and I think... Was it Anne, probably, who was about to get the right answer?
0: Um, I think it was actually the mom.
1: Oh, okay, because, uh, yeah, she starts to go, Oh, no, that's not the Blue Danube, that's the Mary Spill.
0: Right, uh, he tips a glass, specifically. Like, clearly, just to interrupt, he, he just tips it over.
1: Oh, well, nothing nothing like spilling wine to abruptly stop a conversation there's I, I feel like we've seen a bunch of movies where people do that
0: sure I mean it's it's totally a convention but fortunately also Herb shows up uh, oh, the dad's Herb. best buddy played by Hume Cronin
1: I, I, I love him but he really he really does remind me of uh, Rick Moranis as Barney Rubble
0: he kind of reminds me of uh, Winnie the Pooh in a weird sort of way oh. he, he He's kind of lovable, uh, and he's he's his fellow true crime fan buddy. Uh, he,
1: <laughs> they get together and they geek out about uh, the latest mystery.
0: Yeah, so he's talking about Poirot, how he's a really big fan of Poirot mysteries. And, and they have an argument about on Herb's side, he thinks the best perfect murder will be the air bubble in the bloodstream. Whereas... Uh, the the dad's like, no, no, blunt instrument to the head uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go simple, very effective head. It's like, where's the art? Where's all the clues? Yeah, where's the clues? He would be a Riddler I, Actually, honestly, Hume Cronin as <laughs> the Riddler eh, That would be bad I could see a home okay. Hume Cronin Riddler in the 60s anyways uh, Yeah
1: yeah, And I love Joe's uh, reaction He's like, I'm not trying to make clues, I just want to kill you
0: yeah uh, th- that's their whole game, is they d- uh, have back and forth on ways that they would kill each other. But,
1: it's apparently the only thing they talk about.
0: Well, it's clearly like their main thing uh, or or their main sort of hobby uh, conversationally. But I, I like that they have these two very distinct viewpoints in that uh, Herb looks at it from a dramatic point of view. He's really interested in the art of it. Uh, in mm. sort of the, the, the dramatic uh, choices you make as a killer, whereas uh, dad or what wh- what is his name? yeah Joseph. Joe, Joe,
1: Joe, his thing. He just wants to get it done.
0: Yeah, he's a pragmatic killer. He's uh, there. They're a process versus a product killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Uncle Charlie finds an article in the paper that troubles him. Uh, but we don't see what it is. And he's like. Oh, Anne, uh, let me show you how to make a newspaper house.
1: <laughs> so this is actually kind of neat what he does. Uh, oh, but we
0: already know he's an expert at uh, tearing newspapers. I mean, that's a thing he did in Cain.
1: Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, so he builds this newspaper house, and Anne's just like, you shouldn't mess with father's paper.
0: Yeah, they're all very serious about father's paper. Yeah, the sanctity yeah. of father's paper.
1: Roger comes in and is like, did you ruin – did you rip father's paper? And like Char, young Charlie and the mother all come – or I don't know if the mother came in, but young Charlie definitely did. It's like, that's father's paper. And he's just like, whoa, guys, it's a newspaper.
0: No, he, yes. he, he does not say, whoa, it's a newspaper. He is completely – in the 40s mindset as well. is like, no, no, I, I only folded it or it didn't tear anything. But two page or page three and four are missing because he's mm-hmm. hidden them.
1: Yeah, I guess newspapers would have been a much bigger deal back then being the only way to mass communicate without like TV or Internet. Yeah. OK, OK.
0: Yeah. And I don't know that they have a radio. It doesn't seem to I'm ever be sure mentioned. Do. I, I don't yeah. recall seeing one. So they, this they is kind not. of their only form of communication. They have the telephone, but they would have to phone someone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they uh, Anne certainly knows how to use the library.
1: Oh, <laughs> and she will let you know if you don't.
0: Oh, she, like, <laughs> she's an you, advocate uh, for the library.
1: If you did as much reading as you were supposed to, you would already know all this about the library.
0: Mm-hmm. So Charlie reveals later that she knows... That Uncle Charlie took the pages uh, and that if he took the pages, then there must have been something about him in it.
1: Yeah, and she she like saw the pages in his pocket, right?
0: No, she just uh, assumed because like, oh, OK. The the pages disappeared. There is nowhere that they could have gone. Obviously, he took them. And if he took them, there had to be some sort of secret that made him do it. And, you know, she's already been on this secret kick for a while.
1: True, yes. Trying to find out the strange and wonderful secret. You know, it must be about how he secretly loves puppies and doesn't want us to find out what a softy he is. Right?
0: Well, he already admits that there is something to do with him here because he says it's about someone I used to know and that he doesn't want to bother anyone about it. It's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. So he admits already that he does have something to do with something here.
1: Mm-hmm. Of course, and, you know, hoping to throw yeah. her off the trail, which in fact does the opposite.
0: Yeah, and and he's also she's also found where he stashed the page, and she dramatically reveals it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and she's about to read it, and he like grabs her hands and startles her. He's like, "Oh, you're hurting me." he's like, "Look, it's it's malicious gossip. I I don't want you seeing it or anyone or anything. Just I, I I don't want to even talk about it anymore. Just
1: just let it go for real. Let it go.
0: Yeah. Uh, and so she's staying in Ann's room, and Anne has she she has her prayers. Uh, oh
1: yeah, right.
0: It's like I don't want the blessings one of those to go things. on all night. Keep them short." <laughs>
1: That's one of those things where it's like, I can just imagine, God, please bless mommy, and please bless daddy, and please bless Uncle Charlie, and it's like, she'd be going down names of everybody in her classroom, I bet.
0: Yeah, so she she her list is Captain Midnight, Veronica Lake, the <laughs> president of the United States of America. I mean, after mom and dad, of course, mom. and pop, Oh, yeah.
1: Got to get the important ones.
0: Yeah. Mom and pop, Captain Midnight, Veronica Lake, the president of the United States of America. And then uh, Charlie's giving her an un- ugly look. She's like and Uncle Charlie. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but after this, we see just an ominous shot of him smoking in bed, very similar to the one that we saw. When he was in the rooming house, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, like it pans over to him after we hear Charlie humming the waltz again, which of course we know is the Merry Widow waltz, even though it hasn't been directly stated.
1: I didn't know that, but but I mean, have I'm, seen... I'm not up on my classical music.
0: I mean, we, we've seen Merry Widow, and I, I just know the context of the story. So mm. the next morning. Uh, Emmy, the mom, tells Uncle Charlie about how these two men are coming from the National Public Survey.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> the survey. He's like, well, I don't want to have anything to do with that shit.
0: He gets really prickly about it.
1: Oh, he is like, let them survey the house, but I don't technically live here, so I'll just be over there not doing the survey.
0: That's also like this whole... Anti-government thing like he he feels Very cute about it like oh I mean you know you're letting these spies into Your house and you're a fool to do it And uh, he he's very uh, Angry at her about it
1: Yeah I thought you Had more sense these guys could be You don't know if these guys are burglars Or what
0: Uh, and like Maybe in the present day but
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Charlie is really Into it Char- <laughs> Girl Charlie uh, <laughs>
1: Girl Charlie
0: Because she's like, we'll get free photographs of everyone in the family. We'll get to keep them. That's pretty rad. I mean, that probably would have been kind of a big deal then.
1: Well, that's true. It would have because photographs were well, even even in my lifetime, photographs when I was younger, they were a big deal because you had to like go somewhere to get them done.
0: Yeah, proper photographic processing and to have like professional photographs done. You know, that's that's a fairly decent deal. Uh but yeah. it is all a ploy, as it turns out. So
1: Yeah. Uncle total. Charlie is, of course, completely against the photograph thing because no photograph of him exists.
0: Yeah, he says, I have never been photographed and I don't want to be. Uh, but Emmy's like, Oh yes, you have been. And he's like,
1: What where what where? Where's the photograph? <laughs> there can't be a photograph of me. What are you talking about? And she pulls out like this. Old photo album, and it's like him as a child, and he's like, "Oh, thank
0: fuck." He was a he was a little boy. This was before the accident.
1: uh yes. Yeah, so here we're gonna find out.
0: So I think this is a really interesting element of this because this is sort of still a modern element of uh, serial killer psychology. Um, it's very common that the the vast majority of serial killers had a head injury in their childhood.
1: But what's really what I think is really interesting about this is I don't think that would have been very well known in the 1940s because like the serial. Well, yeah, that's what I I mean. Boom. Yeah. Because that didn't happen until the 70s decades later.
0: Well, not only that, the concept of the serial killer came around with Ed Gein, which is like, you know, a little bit on from this. And that's what Psycho is sort of riffing on. So.
1: Oh, okay, I didn't know that.
0: But obviously, like Hitchcock is sympathetic with Joseph. You know, he he's with Hume Cronin. The the two of them, those are his aesthetic. Like he is a true crime guy. He he ate that shit up. So there's sort of POV characters for him in this movie. And I, I feel like he's just ahead of the curve. Like he he was sort of up on killer psychology that, you know, head injury is maybe kind of a, a common thing that people are looking at as far back as that.
1: Oh, that, yeah, true. Like, if you were into it, I guess, I guess, yeah, you would know that, but it didn't really become common knowledge until much, much later. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I do think that was a neat detail that they added.
0: Yeah, and I I think it's also interesting that they say he had this head injury and that his personality completely changed after that. Like, he had too much energy all of a sudden. Mm Mm-hmm. He became wild, he became dangerous, and she sort of glosses over the details, but it sounds like he sort of became dangerous and intolerable, like he became this bad seed.
1: Yeah, so it sounds like like when she was reminiscing about how things were before back then, she's really reminiscing about before he had this head injury.
0: Yeah, like before he was five years old, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah, so she's she's reminiscing really far back.
0: So Uncle Charlie goes to the bank the next day.
1: And, i love this bit
0: and he is such a dick <laughs> hey
1: joe how's that embezzling coming along and everyone yeah. just gets up and looks at him if there were music you'd hear a record scratch
0: well this is such an uncle joke too like i have uncles who i feel would make this joke but maybe not so loud and it, it's such a boorish thing it, it's can you stop embezzling for a minute and help me? <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, it's totally. But then he like just keeps he, going. Oh, he keeps going and going,
0: just loudly hammering the whole concept of banks and how banks are assholes and uh, everybody who works for a bank is an asshole. And obviously, Joe's crooked, you know. Jeff's definitely embezzling that money, you know.
1: Yeah. It's interesting that this is what makes All the other bankers just kind of turn away Like oh he's just one of those Right And I'm sure they get a bunch of those If you're in customer service This isn't as Guys like him aren't as uncommon as you want them to be
0: Yeah you get the anti-authoritarian dickheads Who come in and they want to show That they're above the service That they're using uh, And He I I guess this would be even more of a thing then when the banks were kind of more of an adversarial figure in the world. Like this is not far off uh, the '30s where the banks were repossessing tons of homes. This is not far off the gangster era when it was. Oh yeah, Yeah, good point. So, uh, Joe is like, "Uh, you know, it's this isn't a joke to everybody. And he's like, well, it's a joke to me. The whole world's a joke to me.
1: That's why I'm gonna become the Joker.
0: Yeah, he... He
1: kind of did.
0: He, he's the Joker. Uh, and obviously, Hubert is the Riddler. I don't know who the dad is. He's he's uh, more of a killer croc. Gordon. Oh, killer croc. Okay. I mean, if we're going to look for a villain, he, he's more of a killer <laughs> croc because, you know, he he's just a blunt force guy.
1: <laughs> like, well, the <laughs> most simple
0: thing it would be to hit him with a big rock.
1: I threw a rock at him. Yeah, you know. <laughs> oh my god, that's such a good joke in that show.
0: So he opens an account ultimately, and he deposits forty thousand dollars in, you know, loose cash. <laughs>
1: yeah, the, the bank manager is just like, you could basically see the dollar signs in his eyes. He's like, money. He's
0: like, fine. You know, I mean, you you can be an asshole, but uh, if you have this much money, it it it's licensed to be an asshole.
1: Which that's exactly what it is
0: completely, and, and this is consistent with the previous movie. Uh, our our rich assholes of the previous movie were uh, 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 the 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 villains.
1: Oh yeah, it's like I don't have to be good. I have money. I can be as shitty as I want.
0: Yeah. So a Mrs. Green and Mrs. Potter come in uh, and are introduced to uh, Charlie.
1: And Mrs. Potter, of course, uh, freshly widowed, and she's still wearing her, like, funeral veil and all that.
0: She's in all black, uh, and she's very obviously a widow, and Uncle Charlie is immediately interested. Like, it's obvious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I. The thing is, for someone who's supposedly afraid of publicity and, like, how he doesn't want those guys to take his picture or anything, he is... Such a loud boor he makes such a show of himself
1: i I think he can't uh reconcile his need for attention, like his emotional need for attention with his practical need to lay low. i think
0: well, severe I, I think narcissism
1: yeah, like like he's kind of his own worst enemy
0: yeah he, he's just supremely narcissistic, which is what gets a lot of these killers caught they you know they they want people to know
1: well it's what gets him caught
0: yeah so uh, he he's introduced to her and that's in his back pocket he's really interested in that mrs potter and she's really interested in him mm-hmm. but they get back and the questionnaire men are already there they're an hour early
1: oh, but I haven't had time to get everything together. And, and she's, and the mother is like trying to be so helpful, but ends up just being, just completely shooting down everything, like just being so annoying that they can't do what they're actually trying to do.
0: Well, yeah, they, they, they're pretending to be there. Like we, we see very quickly, it is those guys from earlier. Yeah. We may not they, recognize them, but we do see also that they are waiting for him specifically. Like we start with them Waiting for him to arrive, and he's like, "Okay, here he is. Let's go."
1: Yeah, and like Charlie even says, "Well, well, he doesn't want to participate." And they're like, "Well, that's the whole point of. I mean, we should get everybody."
0: Yeah, come on, this is a whole government survey. If if you don't get everybody, what's the point? So yeah. it's Mr. Graham, Mr. Uh, Detective Jack Graham, but we don't know that yet. Yep. Uh, and Fred Saunders, uh, his photographer. And they like, yeah, oh, it, no, it's fine, it's fine. We'll just start by photographing the house. We don't need to get pictures of everybody right now.
1: Yeah, it's, a uh, you know, classic uh, friendly cop, surly cop.
0: And Charlie is, like, she ha- Uncle Charlie has Girl Charlie communicate to them that he's not
1: interested. Yeah, this this is where Graham is like, but that's the whole point of, uh, I mean... We need to get everyone. Yeah, come on. Or it there, won't be a proper survey.
0: I I really like this one shot of him Uncle Charlie lurking at the top of the stairs with mm, uh yes. the, the angular noir shadows with uh uh, uh the, the the cast from the window and the drapes uh square around him. Just while they're having the conversation about he won't, will not be photographed by them. Mm-hmm. So they, they want to ask Emmy a bit about Charlie first <laughs> while she bakes a cake.
1: Yeah. And like, they're doing this thing. It's like crack an egg. No, I can't crack an egg. It's not time to crack an egg yet.
0: And also, well, he's in business, you know.
1: <laughs> you know my husband's a banker and uh charlie is in business yes that's what it is he's in business
2: yeah he's completely been...
1: satisfied that she's given a good answer
0: he's in business you know men men stuff
1: <laughs> he goes down to the business factory basically so and they... i could just imagine them being like oh my god she legitimately does not know anything
0: she doesn't she she clearly does not like she's not not trying to obscure anything
1: no she she does not know a thing
0: so they go upstairs and they ask to photograph charlie's room uh but of course uncle charlie is supposedly in there graham says i bet he's not in there you want to take a bet that he's not in there and she knocks And there is no answer. And then they go in and, oh, well, he's not there. All right. All right. I guess it's fine to photograph
1: my room. Right, right. Right. She's the one who knocks and he's like, yeah, it's a bet.
0: Yeah. So Graham interviews Charlie
1: a little bit about Charlie. (laughs) Charlie. Interviews young Charlie about Uncle Charlie.
0: And she's she's also talking about herself and he is interested in her in many ways, as it will turn <laughs> out, which it, it, which is why it is kind of uncertain about how old she's supposed to be old enough that like it's, it's OK that she's going out with the cop later. But uh, she says that she doesn't like the idea of being an average family. Or being an average person herself. Uh, she wants to be exceptional. Mm -hmm. and i think maybe this is what she has in common with her uncle charlie it's just maybe she has a bit more of a positive spin on it than he does
1: (laughs) well he's found a way to be on average but yeah Yeah. she that would be it yeah that she's she wants to stand out too just not in the same way
0: yeah she she's got this energy uh and from the way he's reacting to her, Charlie gets the feeling from him that she shouldn't feel so positive towards her uncle. And she starts to get weirded out about it. But, like, she can't quite put her finger on it and he won't say anything specific. Uh-huh. At which point he shows up. And they try to get a picture of him. They they sort of sneak a picture of him. And they're, they see him arriving. Like, they see him entering. And they, like, prepare it to be, like, taking a picture of something. I was like, oh, I'm going to take a picture of the hall over here.
1: Sure hope Charlie doesn't accidentally get into the photograph. Oh, oops, he did. Oh, shucks.
0: I'm just going to start kicking air. And if uh, Uncle Charlie were happen to walk into it.
1: And Char- Uncle Charlie's just like, no, not cool. I said yeah. no photographs. Not okay. I do not consent to this. Yeah. Give me that shit.
0: You, I, I demand the role of film. I want it right now. Uh, Charlie's really troubled by it. Like it, it bothers her that he is such a jerk about it. Like, yeah. why would you be? Like, there, there's pictures of mom in there and stuff. We 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 could use the rest of those.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like couldn't they just remove that one? Like, why? What is the big deal? Uh, but especially in light of the the weirding out she's gotten about. It's like, huh, this detective seems to think something's wrong with Uncle Charlie.
1: Or, well, this survey guy.
0: Survey guy, yeah.
1: Yeah. Although she, she does actually figure, she's the one who figures out that he's a detective. He doesn't tell her.
0: Pretty quickly, uh, too. Yeah. Yeah. She's she, perceptive.
1: Charlie kind of reminds me of.
0: Encyclopedia she, Brown.
1: <laughs> I was going to say Nancy Drew, actually. Yeah, but- you know, she,
0: she's got a girl detective flavor.
1: I'm actually thinking more like She reminds me of like Lisa Simpson Without all the annoying Lisa, Lisa Simpson-ness But like so. all the cool Lisa Simpson-ness
0: well, Early Lisa Simpson Classic er- oh, Lisa yes,
1: Simpson Oh yes, yes Classic Lisa Simpson <laughs> You know, when so, she was
0: cool Well, when she could still have fun uh, And, and then yeah. maybe she's back to that a little bit more now I don't know
1: I don't, I don't know either it's been, it's been so long since I've watched The Simpsons
0: yeah, so Graham asks Emmy if Charlie could come and show him around town tonight. And she doesn't get it at first. She's like, oh, you don't want to take out Charlie. you got to take out Anne. She's the one who knows everyone and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: yeah, and Graham's just like, oh, no.
0: Like, okay, I, I'm sure she would be very useful to me, but I, I'm kind of maybe thinking more more of like a date sort of situation. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you know, if Charlie's into it, I guess. And Charlie is. Mm. Yeah. Uh, she she blows off a date with her friend Catherine. Uh, and of course, on the date, they run into her. Of course. <laughs> so, like, it's it's mostly just them actually on a date for a while. Uh, and she's not, he's not really asking her questions about Uncle Charlie. And then at the very end, they're sitting together and she gets it. She puts it together that he's a detective and she kind of freaks out.
1: Yeah, like, oh my god, you're a detective and you're looking for Charlie for something. You think he's done something, but you're wrong. Because uh, he's actually good. Uh, yeah. Right? He He's good, right? He's I, like, I feel like she's trying to convince herself as much totally. as she's trying to convince him.
0: And and she's like, he or he says, okay, he is a suspect in a major case, but he doesn't say what the case yeah. is of. And He's not the only one. There is another guy. There's this other guy back East, the man in the East.
1: So I I really like this man in the East concept because right Right. up until now, I was, I was thinking, okay, yes, 100% Charlie is the killer or the, whatever the, that the movie, right. These detective guys think he is, but now it's like, you kind of have that reasonable doubt. And it's like, what if Charlie is just weirdo asshole, but ultimately harmless, which could be the case.
0: It's it's that shadow of a doubt of the title, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. like like it throws the wrench into the foregone conclusion that we kind of probably had from well, that I had from the beginning. Yeah, I was well, like it's, oh man, it'd be so neat if it turns out that he's not the killer. Uh,
0: that that is a well that uh, Hitchcock did go to once, and honestly, it's maybe my least favorite of his movies. It's kind of oh really, but okay. uh, I I think it works really well here and he's just so good at the, the suspense at like Uh keeping the doubt there. And and like, you know, we, we never fully know until we really need to know everything. And there's just that possibility lingering just like for her. We're we're sort of in the same place as her. She's fine. Like, Oh, well, you know, that's something I can hang on to.
1: Well, she even says, it's like, no, just just arrest the guy in the East. Then it's obviously him. It can't be Uncle Charlie. Right.
0: Yeah. And she's like, think, Charlie, how much do you really know about him? And all she can come up with is like, well, he's my mother's brother. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. really he has much...
1: a great, wonderful secret
0: well, it's like he's my mother's brother and it couldn't possibly be him. Yeah, (laughs) Those are the only things I know. (laughs) Uh, And and he says, look, I I just need you to keep all this secret. I I told you because I want to treat you like an adult because I hope you're around the age of an adult. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) He basically says that too. It's like, look, I really want you to trust me because of the case and also because I have the hots for you.
0: Yeah, also, I like you. I I, I admit it, I'm into you. That's what she freaks out about initially, that he's a detective. It's like, you you were just, like, here to interrogate me, not because you like me. I thought this was a date. it's like, okay, it is a date, and maybe that's not the best either. And, okay, I am a detective. (laughs) I'm sorry.
1: I've actually been handling this whole situation really badly. And if my commanding officer or sergeant or whatever found out, I might be in some trouble. But it's I'm having way, a real good time.
0: It's the way you could only do it in the 40s. Uh, but I kind of like this character in spite of that. Like, th- this character would be terrible in so many other situations, but they they play it right here. He kind of has just he, that sort of yeah. silly energy to him.
1: Yeah, like, I, I, I didn't like him at first and I didn't want to like him, but he kind of grew on me because he does seem to be the, like actually kind of a sweet guy.
0: He's so forthright, like every time he gets caught in one of his cop subterfuges, it's like, all right, I admit it, look, this is what's going on, but don't you understand this is important, this guy's a murderer. So, you
1: know, 50, 50, 50, (laughs) 50 chance of being a murderer.
0: Pretty decent chance. I'm sure it's the guy, but they're sure it's that guy. So, yeah, uh, well, I'll say that there's a possibility that it's that guy, but I'm sure it's this guy. That's his thing. (laughs) yeah so charlie goes back to the house and she doesn't go in the main room even because she sees uncle charlie there and she knows he's there and she goes up the back way instead so as not to disturb him
1: but also really she's avoiding him because the seeds of doubt are firmly planted now
0: yeah, she she's very concerned. She she already has reason to doubt because there was the thing with him fe- uh, acting sick, getting off the train. There's the weird engraving that he overreacted to. There's the photograph thing that he overreacted to. All of these things are starting to pile up.
1: Yeah, but it still could just be that he's a weirdo.
0: Yeah, it's all still circumstantial evidence, nothing you could go to trial on. Well, you, you could with the the ring probably, but she doesn't know yeah. that yet. She doesn't know the provenance of the ring. <laughs> yes. As though her dad and his buddy are are playing their poisoning games when she goes around <laughs> the corner.
1: I love this bit. It's like, did you taste anything funny in your coffee? Uh no, should I have? Yeah. I put soda in there.
0: And, you... and it could have been poison. You wouldn't have even noticed. <laughs> it's like, oh uh,
1: well shit, you got me herb. Yeah, you would have won this one.
0: And the the other guy has a, a bunch of mushrooms And he's like well I could get you to eat these mushrooms
1: <laughs> I can fry uh, them up course. for
0: you He's like oh okay okay
1: <laughs> Well guess what One of them's poisoned.
0: Right uh, I it, it, Like it, it's at this point in the movie where I was like Man you really needed more imagination Before there was television Even when you're an adult Adults had to have their imagination time
1: True true Um Maybe maybe imagination is a good thing, and maybe uh, the advent of TV just kind of sucking all of our attention and focusing it all onto the same thing is maybe not the best thing to happen for society. But that's out of the uh, purview of what this movie's going for.
0: True, but but I think it's interesting. It's it's still interesting to look at it that yeah. it's so much based on all of these people having these imagination games because there isn't much of a mass media around them. Well. Or that is the mass media. Like, true crime is all that exists in mass media.
1: I guess, yeah.
0: So Charlie goes into her slash the room her uncle is staying in. Her room, basically. Yeah, yeah. And she she gathers all the crumpled papers out of the wastebasket. She's going to look into this. Mm -hmm. But they're pretty torn up. She can't really do much with them. So Anne gives her... A lecture about the library <laughs>
1: don't you know they have newspapers at the library they have every edition from every day you'd know that if you read more you should read more books and if you were doing the reading you were supposed to do you would know that they close at nine o'clock
0: yeah they close at nine she's like if your sister was clippy it's like shut up I don't... <laughs> thank you for your information all right uh, yeah <laughs> So one of the things that is sort of weird with Hitchcock is he really hated location shooting. Pretty much everything he does is backlots. Oh, really? So you you do have some downtown stuff in this that I think looks really good, and we're just about to get to that. And what I think is really interesting is there's sort of this weird transitional shot as they go, or as as uh, Charlie goes out of the house to go to the library. The house is clearly on a backlot. And we see this eerie shot as she goes down the back stairs to go to the library. And there's just this gray, empty void just beyond the backyard trees.
1: Oh, I never noticed that.
0: And then immediately we cut to, you know, we dissolve to her going through a lively, bustling, actual small town downtown. And it's such a weird contrast, uh, and, and it sort of feels like her stepping out of this weird little nightmare space that she's sort of become, or that the, her home has become because of her uncle.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I never noticed that, but that's an interesting, uh, interesting contrast. Because especially from here, from here on, like she doesn't feel safe at the house anymore because she's right. got all these shadows of doubts floating around about the uncle.
0: And I also absolutely love the design of the library. <laughs> so <laughs> cool looking. Uh, covered completely yeah. in vines, like in, in an eldritch church.
1: I, I love how, like, the light, like, when the bell starts singing, each window's lights, different window's lights goes out with each bell dinging.
0: Because mm-hmm. they're they're closing. You know, they're, yeah. they're tolling at 9 there, o'clock. She's
1: like, right at the end. I, I do also like the bit where she's walking past the crossing guard and like, crossing guards like, hey, am I a joke to you?
0: (laughs) And like later on she runs into him again and he's he's even more sore.
1: Yeah, like, come on. I'm trying to prevent you from getting hit by cars here.
0: Well it's weird because we have this sort of obstructive authority who doesn't who don't really do anything of great use. Like he's just sort of getting in her way on her way to do things or to get away from someone later. Uh, much as like when he gets to the, when she gets to the library and Mrs. Cochran, who's just lecturing her all the way in, it's like, we're closed. And it's like, I know, I know, but please, I just need to get this one thing. And she's like following her lecturing.
1: Yeah. it's and like clippy, could this Seriously. Yes. Because seriously, not wait until tomorrow. Come on. OK, you get three minutes and I'm not helping you look for anything.
0: Yeah. So she finds the newspaper page. She knows the one. It's like, it can't be anything really awful. And then...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Merry Widow Killer strikes again.
0: The Merry Widow Murderer uh, has strangled three rich women so far. And the most recent was a stage actress uh, named Thelma Shenley, a.k.a. Mrs. Bruce Mathewson.
1: Okay. Um I, I don't know those names if they're if they're well, significant or not.
0: They're the initials on the ring.
1: Oh oh yeah, yeah, no. B- besides that, yeah, sorry, yes, they're the initials on the ring.
0: The, yeah, it so is he, he B-M to T S g- So
1: this guy Yeah, it's a stolen
0: ring from the last lady. Gave day.
1: his niece the freaking what he looted off of the corpse.
0: Yeah. And, and she I, I, pulls I, I into it immediately she I looks at him like your... oh shit
1: yeah no I, I now I think I agree with what you say that he's kind of wants to get caught at this point yeah he, he's
0: not really wow. making That's a lot dumb. of effort yeah although also it's the 40s it was easier to get away with this stuff there was not a lot of forensics
1: but you know she's just looking at like the worst story it could just be that the story about him was what's printed on the other side of the page which is uh, local embarrassment, Uncle Charlie, loses pie-eating contest after shitting himself all over the floor. It could have been that. Could have been it could
0: that. have been that. So she walks away, and again, she's in this weird daze, and the Waltz footage is overlaid mm-hmm. uh, over her walk home. Which really cool. She sleeps yeah. all the way through the next day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's like this big deal. It's like, oh, she's been really tired. We'll just let her sleep. She, like, wakes up when it's dinner time.
0: Well, she comes down to help make dinner. Yeah. And then her mom is humming the Merry Widow Waltz, and she gets really upset about it.
1: Yeah, she she frames it like, like, of course, it freaks her out because the Merry Widow was, you know, the name of the waltz and the name of the killer, which is Uncle Charlie. But she, she frames it like, hey, I just got that song not stuck in my head don't get it stuck back in there come on
0: well she she also kind of the the way she phrases it is that like i've been trying to get that song stuck out of my or get that song out of my head since last night and like that has been what she's been doing all this time in bed
1: well i guess that's true and to an extent it has been trying to do that yeah good point
0: and we find that Anne wants to switch places with Roger because she does not want to sit next to her uncle. Now, Charlie's not talked to her about anything, and she has been sort of just doing her own thing. But my theory is that Anne already is way ahead of anyone else, and she is aware that Charlie is a killer, but she's just kind of letting it ride.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I, I feel like that's totally... I figure Anne would have had him pegged right from the beginning because she reads all the books and she's the smart one who always putting two to two and two together
0: yeah she's probably read the paper she's probably read it she, before anyone else
1: she might have seen the article yeah
0: yeah and she's just like she's very matter-of-fact about it is like well i don't want to sit next to him uh, can can we i just switch places with roger would that be all right and
1: the mother's like no you can't do that
0: that, that would be so rude uh, what would he think? And she she allows it ultimately with. She plays it off that Roger wants a turn.
1: <laughs> yeah, which, of course, uh, Roger almost immediately blows that.
0: No, he he's great. Like, psh, I never <laughs> <laughs> just straight up. Yeah, no, come on. I don't think so. Uh, it's like, what no, was like, well, they got
1: their other bullshit going on. I got nothing to do with that.
0: Yeah, and he's he's all busy trying to figure out how long Charlie slept. And like, I could probably calculate if you tell me exactly the times you woke up and for how long. <laughs>
1: <was> like, great, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. thank thanks, kid.
0: But she said that she has or she says that she had nightmares all night and day about Charlie, about Uncle Charlie.
1: Oh, uh, yes. But then and in my dream, you were getting on a train. Yeah. And, and
0: and I felt so much better.
1: So Wouldn't much it be better great? if you were on the train.
0: Wouldn't it be great and, if you were on a train out of town, Uncle? Huh? <laughs>
1: and Emmy's like, no, that would be terrible, actually. And We can't, uh, we can't get rid of Uncle Charlie. We love him.
0: Yeah. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, he's, like, trying to go through the paper. Like, the, the paper's shown up, and he's going through it to make sure there's nothing incriminating. And she's like look i took a sacred oath to read two books per week and it's rude to read at the table uncle charlie you know (laughs) i'd be reading at the table if i could be you're reading the newspaper you jerk
1: she's like giving him shit for reading at the table but really it's more like well i think it's not fair that he can read at the table and i can't
0: yeah that that is completely unfair and charlie's like look just throw the paper away We don't need to play any games with it tonight. Ice cold. Uh, So Uncle Charlie is starting to be aware that she's on to him to some degree. But he's brought champagne. Oh, of course. And he and Emmy giggle about a bunch of inside jokes that are totally indecipherable.
1: Here I was expecting the champagne bottle to be poisoned.
0: Right? uh, Because they had been talking
1: about... It, it feels like they set up Chekhov's poisoning with uh, Herb and, uh, and Joe's conversation earlier.
0: Yeah, they're, they're giving you all sorts of different ways of murder, but none of them ever really come into play. Because uh, uh, actual murder is maybe more impulsive. So mm-hmm. this is where we find out that she is having him do a speech for her ladies club, which just seems like a terrible choice.
1: He has strong opinions about the ladies' club.
0: Oh. Yeah, well, specifically, he has some really strong opinions about rich widows. Calls them these useless women.
1: He doesn't find them so useless when he's leeching their money off of them, but you know that's that's a whole different thing. But oh man, he, here's where he's like going into his whole villain monologue about these useless women who just grow fat off of the inheritance
0: yeah and just like oh not using it to any worthwhile degree they just eat it and drink it uh and charlie this is maybe the most famous quote in the movie because i've heard this sampled in songs is charlie saying but they're alive they're human beings uh and he just says are they yeah yeah (laughs) it's like wow uh that's a messed up thing to say uh anyone who has outlived their husband is uh bad and just evil just necessarily hey charlie what's up with you it
1: sure makes it easier to kill them if you don't think of them as a human though right
0: yeah and like there's there's no switch for any of them because like emmy immediately she's laughing it off like (laughs) oh let's not talk about this by the way the widow (laughs) porter was asking about you winky wink
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe you don't say this in front of the girls' club, but you know, make a different speech. Yeah, and it's like
0: uh did you not hear just him talking about how widows are <laughs> evil and he wants to kill them? It's like, oh, that's such a weird disconnect. Yeah. Uh, so Herb comes by then this is when he has the mushrooms. Uh and and dad's like, no nah, nah, nah. Drowning them in the bathtub is the thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And Charlie's and, like, oh my god
0: Please, stop I can't How handle this anymore everyone
1: talk about death? Well, what else are we going to talk about?
0: Yeah, it's my favorite thing And so she storms out And Uncle Charlie follows And, and this is when they run into the crossing guard again He's really yeah. hurt <laughs> yeah. like, What are you doing? Yeah. This is the second night in a row, Charlie And uh, uh, Uncle Charlie Hustles her into a bar
1: where where they meet uh, Charlie's Fred. Oh, I'm trying to think of what she's like the archetype of. She kind of reminds me of like a Daria. She's or so this maybe is, not a Daria.
0: I don't know. She, she doesn't seem like a Daria. She's a dropout and she's quite dumb.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I'm thinking, no, not Daria. Oh, my God.
0: So sh- this is she's the waitress in the bar. Louise Finch shows she she dropped out of high school uh, and we hear sort of in passing that she's been fired all over town. She, she's been in a bunch of bad jobs as waitress, and she, she's just not good at it. She's just no good at it. So she's here, and this is kind of a dive bar. Yeah. And Uncle Charlie is finally at the point like, okay, I, I want you to tell me about the detective, and I want to know what you've heard. But he also starts kind of buttering her up on how smart she yeah. is.
1: Yeah, he's also, like, twisting a napkin. Like <laughs>
0: Strangling
1: really a napkin. Intensely. like, doesn't seem to be aware that he's doing it.
0: Right, and she sees it, and he sees her see, and is like, oh, oh. Uh,
1: yeah, well, this, I'll just uh, do this under the table, then don't <laughs> mind me.
0: He asks her what she knows. She takes the ring off and puts it in the middle of the table. I'm like, oh, yeah, so that, right.
1: Yeah, well, see, the thing about that is, don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, Louise shows up and she picks up the ring and is like, oh, wow, what an incredible ring. I, I mean, I, I know a thing about real jewelry. I'd die for a ring like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, she very pointedly says, I'd die for that ring.
0: Yeah. So... It's weird. He, this, this is where he starts in the whole gaslighting and nagging stuff. Like, he's he's basically like, look, you're a normal little girl in a normal little town. Like, how do you know what the world is like?
1: Yeah, and also nobody's going to believe you anyway, even if there was something wrong, which there isn't.
0: Right, because it's also this thing that he seems to have this incredibly nihilistic worldview— It's like, do you know the world is a sty? If you ripped the fronts off houses, you'd find swine.
1: Yeah. It's very much like, I didn't kill all those people, but if I did, it would be okay.
0: Yeah. And they they walk back to the house in silence. And outside, he's like, Charlie, I need you to help me. I'm so tired, Charlie. And he's kind of hinting. The possibility that he might commit suicide and that they'll, they'll get, you know, I'll get the electric chair if they get me.
1: Uh-huh. Um, yeah, he kind of drops it because he mentions he knows about the man in the East, too.
0: Right. And it also suggests that it, it's its kind of him basically confirming to her that he is guilty and that they are after him and he knows exactly why. Uh, yeah. But she there, there is still that shadow of a doubt
1: yeah he never like because he never straight up and says it he's like i'm not saying i did those things i'm just also not going to say that i didn't just trust me
0: but like if the fbi were to come in here they definitely shoot you first so yeah exactly (laughs) so she stays out and cries uh and next day at church uh the detectives or like outside church the detectives get Anne. To go and bring Charlie over to them. Because she's avoiding them. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's still been weirded out. Since she's learned all this stuff. Yeah. So she comes by with her friend Catherine. Uh, and Graham. Takes Anne. Uh, Graham being the, the guy. Who was trying to date her. Uh, yeah. he, he takes Anne and Catherine. So that Charlie can talk to Saunders. Alone this time.
1: Uh, certainly cop.
0: He's a bit more hard edged. He's like, "Look, we switched the film, so we got it. We've sent the pictures out to the east. Witnesses are going to be able to ID him from the photo. So you may as well just tell us what you know."
1: Yeah. And is it here? Is it Saunders or is it Graham who gives her the idea to like get him to leave town so that they can arrest him quietly?
0: Yeah. She's like, "I'll convince him to leave town quickly." Uh, the, the, this is probably the best solution. We'll, we'll get him out of town and, uh, you know, we can deal with it from there.
1: Yeah, but also she doesn't want, like, she'll get him to leave town, but she doesn't want to him turn him over to the cops.
0: Well, he threatens her and you have to tell us when he's leaving and how, where, all of the details. We have to know it when he's leaving town. Yeah. Notably, we hear that Anne has been talking to Saunders quite a bit.
1: Oh, yeah, so <laughs> here more evidence to the theory that Anne had a pig from the get-go.
0: Yeah, I think Anne has, has, like, laid it out for them already.
1: Yeah, that's that tracks.
0: My theory is that she knows more than Charlie the whole time. She doesn't have real evidence. She doesn't have the ring. Yeah. But like, otherwise, I think she's just, like, got this sewn up.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. And... And Uncle Charlie got hit on the head and he loves to talk about how people are bad and he doesn't seem to see certain people as human beings and also he was creepy this time and this time.
0: Like, Anne is definitely starting a true crime podcast. Oh Uh, my God, totally. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Charlie heads home and she immediately darkens when she sees Uncle on the porch. And, And he's like talking big he he's feeling really full of himself here mm-hmm. He he's into mocking church this time he's like ah oh, is that good attendance show's been running so long you'd think attendance would fall off
1: yeah like dude take your edge i mean <laughs> this isn't I mean, the time for edgelord shit i, I
0: to be fair, it's the '40s, so he's kind of ahead of the curve in being like an, an obnoxious YouTube atheist sort. But
1: yeah, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> that's exact. Oh my god! Yeah, hmm. that's that's the word. A, a YouTube atheist.
0: Uh, but Herb shows up, and he's talking about how the suspected man from the east came to a foul end.
1: Yeah, this is crazy.
0: It's nuts. Uh, so they're they're chasing him in Maine, I think, and he he yeah. got on a a runway,
1: yeah, they were chasing him, and he got on a runway and he like ran into a propeller from an airplane
0: got fucking destroyed,
1: uh, yeah, which uh you know, so uh case closed
0: case closed, yeah they're they're pretty much well, that's the end of the case he He ran away from police and he got mulched, and I mean if he did that, he was probably our guy.
1: Yeah, so, and you know, it's a lot easier for us to say he was our guy at this point.
0: If we can just mark the case closed because our suspect died, hey, we can go ahead and do that, and that's a win in our column.
1: So if Uncle I could Date Charlie.
0: And Uncle Charlie is in a great mood. Oh yes. <laughs> he's this like, is why hell yeah. he's clearly already read about this and this is why he was so cheerfully slagging church yeah. as a general concept.
1: Well, I mean, it also goes back to his, like, throwing the hat on the bed at the very beginning. Oh, yeah. I'm above all of this shit.
0: So, uh, notably, when he gets to the top of the stairs, he stops and very slowly turns. And standing in the front door, casting this long, long shadow of doubt, (laughs) is Charlie, of course. Yeah. And she's just kind of pacing outside. Uh, And he's pacing in his or her room, whatever, making the strangling hands.
1: (laughs) Yeah, in Charlie's room. Yes. Technically correct, regardless of who we're referring to.
0: Yeah, Uh, he's in the Charlie room.
1: The Charlie Uh, room.
0: But Graham shows up and he's got great news. The case is off. You don't need to worry about it anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we've just decided (laughs) that 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 guy's the one who did it because... Everybody knows cops hate catching doing the work to catch serial killers.
0: And he declares his love for her.
1: Uh, in the oh yeah, they when they go off into the garage, it's like, well, now that the case is over, I was going to wait a bit, but I want to go out with you.
0: Yeah, I, I'm in love with you. And the door slams shut on them, and they like go outside and like, what the hell is that? And they see outside. Uncle Charlie's there he's waiting and he's really standoffish mm-hmm. and he like reaches out and he grips Charlie's chin kind of menacingly
1: at this point it's like dude if you had just if, if you would just stop you'd probably get away with it
0: but even here he, he's just like eh, I mean it's probably all fine I'm gonna go now see you later we'll 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 talk We'll, we'll figure this all out and he just drives away and she waits until he's gone too far before she's like Jack wait uh actually he did do it <laughs>
1: you know yeah. oh,
0: shit he's gone
1: yeah well I think it was that thing Uncle Charlie's like well I guess I won't be seeing much of you oh no you'll be seeing a lot of me oh well, yeah it's gonna be great I'll be here all the time because I'm, yep. dat- I'm gonna be dating your niece here <laughs> yeah. so you know I'm part of the family now
0: oh, fuck like, Oh, super, super. Uh, Like, it's again, he's there on the porch and she decides to just not go in the front door. She goes around back. Yeah. uh, Because she just will not even go past him.
1: Yeah, she's like, okay, they're closing the case, but I still think Charlie's fucked.
0: Yeah, and he clearly sees that she doesn't trust him yet. Because... Later on, she's going out to grab a few groceries and one of the steps breaks and she falls but catches herself. But we see him just like right there at the bottom. Yeah. He, he like leaps like, out right as it happens. He knew because he he, oh, yes. he did it. Because, he, he you was, know,
1: he, he obviously did it.
0: Yeah, he broke the step in preparation. Uh, and at night she goes out and investigates and looks at the steps with the flashlight. And while she's doing God. that, uh, Uncle Charlie comes out, like he he comes out above uh, to like th- this is all played in silhouette outside by porch light, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "When are you leaving? <laughs> I I want you to leave. You've stayed long enough. We've caught up now."
1: Uncle Charlie's like, "Never. I'm here forever."
0: Yeah, he's like, look, that other thing is over. Let's forget about it. She's like, fine, it's over. But when are you leaving, though? It's like, I'm not leaving.
1: (laughs) It would kill your mother.
0: Yeah, and it's also like, I can do a lot for you. You know, I I have all this money. I can help set you guys up. It's Like, I don't want it. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, it'll kill your mother. She's also, like, oh, I wish I'd told her.
1: Yeah, so I, was, I thought the mother was going to end up dying, too. Hmm. Because, like, there's all this whole thing about it would kill your mother. Oh, your mother would just die.
0: Right. And he he threatens her, like, what would you tell? Who'd believe you? Which, again, very classic gaslighting language.
1: Oh, totally, yeah. Uh,
0: and I, I really like her final... Just a very conclusive speech to him. It's like, I don't want you here. I don't want you to touch my mother. So go away. I'm warning you. Go away or I'll kill you myself.
1: Mm-hmm. And and Char- Uncle Charlie seems to be like a little bit impressed by that. Like, oh, holy shit, okay. All right.
0: It's like, okay, yeah. Let's see no, how
1: this goes.
0: She has some of my energy in her, maybe. Yeah. And
1: Maybe we are twins.
0: And later, it's uh, the night of him making his speech to the ladies' club, which just seems like a bad idea altogether.
1: I wonder what speech he actually gave.
0: I mean, people seem to be pretty impressed by it, so it couldn't have been the one that he gave at the dinner table.
1: Maybe it was, and they're like, oh, we are useless. Oh, he's got us pegged.
0: And before anyone else goes out, we see him start the car in the garage and close the garage door with the car running. So it's filling up with exhaust.
1: Yeah. So this, um, I knew he was going to like try to kill somebody here. Obviously, like obviously that's what he's setting up, but here's where I thought the mother was going to die.
0: Okay. But
1: there's this whole big thing about who's going in what car.
0: Right. But the thing is he's trying to get Charlie alone in the car with him. Mm -hmm. So like he's called a taxi for everybody else. Uh, and he's like, "I want you to hear my speech on the way, yeah, but Charlie goes to her mom and she begs her to ride with her and let Father take the children instead and Mom agrees, <laughs> but then before she gets there, like she goes out to the garage to get in the car, and of course, it's completely full of smoke, and she goes to try to turn it off, <laughs>
1: but the key's gone,
0: key is gone, this and the
1: is door they had." Th- yeah, this, I guess, was before they had the whole safety thing where you can't take out the key when the cars running.
0: Right. Uh, and the the door slams shut and it jams. Yeah. And and then, you know, we, we go inside a little bit and Uncle Charlie's closing the windows like, oh, it's getting kind of chilly in here. Let's just close this so We wouldn't want to hear any screams. Hey, let's turn on some music really loud.
1: So they must have had. Oh, no, they might have had a record player.
0: Oh maybe, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. But yeah, they're they're playing music just super loud. It's like I like to listen to it really loud. I'm like, yeah, I agree, definitely. That's that is what's best, <laughs> Roger. Yeah. But but Herb comes by. He 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 alerts them that someone is trapped in the garage.
1: It it sounds like a human being in there.
0: And there's something the matter with the door. <laughs> he he is not Man, like he, he was not paying attention because it, it's very easy to deal with what's the problem with the door.
1: Oh, very easy. There is a stick there and that's it.
0: Yeah, there's a stick at the bottom of holding the door closed. And Uncle Charlie, of course, runs out and he very easily kicks it out of the way because he obviously set it and knows where it is.
1: Yeah. And of course, if anyone else finds the stick, they'll know it's intentional. So he's got to be the one to get rid of it.
0: And of course, he pulls the key out of his pocket and turns the car off. Yeah. So he so. carries or they, they carry her into the or they carry her off to the lawn. Uh, he has her fetch some whiskey. And she comes to and it's like, go away. <laughs> <laughs> and and she's like, the, it, it was like full of smoke and I couldn't find the key. And Uncle's like, well, it was there when I went in. Yeah, I bet it was. And she's like, uh, I, oh, please, just you, you all go on ahead who was it who found me like well it was Charlie who, who pulled you out and like well and it was actually Herb who, who found you but you know like, okay okay I see but as they leave we see the mother in the car with Charlie starting to look suspicious clearly it's dawning on her that something is
1: fucked up here whereas Anne is probably like oh Uncle Charlie just went to kill young Charlie this is just part of the thing that's happening right now and here's where young Charlie is trying to get a hold of Detective Graham.
0: Yeah, she she can't reach him uh, for whatever reason. Like she has his number, I think, but she just can't get a hold of him. He He's not available.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, that's a problem when people didn't have cell phones. If they weren't by the phone, you weren't getting a hold of them. I
0: guess so. Uh, and she she goes into a room. She finds the ring and everyone gets back while she's in there, I guess. And they're, they're all like talking about how great his speech was.
1: Yeah. I, I kind of like that we didn't get to see the speech because I can't imagine it would have actually been any good. Well,
0: you know, it would have been some boring civic speech, you know? Uh, yeah. And it, we, we've heard the speech that actually matters from him around yes. the dinner table. So she comes down the stairs and she has the ring on her finger.
1: Yeah, like he super sees it. conspicuously. Like yeah. she's like showing it off. Well, she's showing
0: it off Not as far as he is concerned. Yeah. He would yes. notice it because it's important to him. Yeah, And he's like, I'm proposing a farewell toast. I'm leaving tomorrow.
1: And, uh, yeah, <laughs> of course, the mother's like, oh, no. And
0: She starts crying. Yeah, she's very hurt. Yeah. I
1: thought you uh, were going to be with us forever.
0: Yeah, and he's like, well, things have come up and... <laughs> Uh, I I've been out foxed. I like I I would say he probably decides it right at this moment when he sees the ring on her finger.
1: Yeah, he's like, oh, I do actually have to leave.
0: Although and it kill could
1: Charlie,
0: it could also be something to do with Mrs. Porter. He might planning to get on the train with her the next morning and, and like he sort of planned that at the party because she or potter she's on the train the next morning
1: oh i oh yeah that, that could be too
0: yeah so it's next morning everyone's seeing him off at the train we learned that he donated a whole bunch to the hospital he's a pretty big hit in the community everybody loves him mm-hmm uh, and Charlie gets on the train with the kids, with Anne and Roger, to yeah. you know see his room. Cool trains.
1: Yeah, they wanna they wanna check out the trains.
0: And as we as he gets on the train, he waves to Mrs. Potter, and she waves back. Uh, she's also on the train. It's like okay, mm-hmm. got something in mind there. And Anne and Roger get off, and Charlie is stuck on there with him, and she's like, you know, it's probably best that you made me leave. You know, your your mom, she's so fragile. She She couldn't possibly take the shock if she were to learn.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely, definitely I'm doing this for the greater good, actually. Oh, look, is the train moving with you on it, Charlie? Oh, look at that.
0: And he grabs her and he tries to throw her out.
1: I thought he, I actually thought he might win here.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could see it going either way. I mean, it's it's the '40s, so I don't think they could have gotten away with doing the dark ending. Uh, but yeah, it feels like they're going to do it, or it could go <laughs> either way. Very well built suspense.
1: Yeah, like uh, the, the struggle is really, uh, really even, I guess. Like she's he's trying to push her, and she's grabbing onto the thing.
0: Yeah, and so she she wrestles him, uh, and and he ends up falling directly into the path of another train. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he Ooh. doesn't just fall off the train; he falls into another one. It's like,
0: oh, he ain't gonna
1: be in Shadow of a Doubt too. Uh,
0: and immediately we have the waltz footage recurring over uh, the him landing in front of the other train. It's great.
1: Oh, one thing I wanted to mention is like the waltz, the actual music when it's played in like the threatening key, really sounds like like a '60s Batman villain theme too.
2: Mm.
0: Hmm. okay so there's a big funeral procession he's buried with great dignity she obviously did not tell them that he was trying to kill her when he fell off the train (laughs) yep ultimately only she and graham know the truth
1: yeah she's like saying to the because graham showed up to the funeral and she's like oh my god thank you for being here I don't think I could have handled this without at least one other person who knew.
0: Yeah. This really sucks. Uh, But they're just leaving the case closed with uh, men in the East. He, he, he takes the rap for it, I guess. (laughs) I guess. Poor man
1: in the East family.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, man got mulched too. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I mean, if he he went out (laughs) that way, I mean, there's, uh, that's going to be a whole story to be told.
1: Yeah, I, I like to imagine that like, he's got his own Shadow of Doubt movie like happening concurrently to this, Ooh. but his is the version where he's innocent.
0: Well, to me, that's the great thing about this movie is that it feels like every single character you could do that. Anne obviously has her own movie going on where she knows a lot more and knows much earlier on and is snitching to the police way earlier.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Joe and Herb have their whole have their own movie where they probably, they probably are members of the order of water Buffalo. Or, well, I figured, you know, whatever.
0: I, I would have to figure there's like an arsenic and old lay style version of this. That's just like a light comedy with them bumbling around, not realizing murders are happening <laughs> around them, even though it's all they think about. And of uh, course the really thinking... melodramatic version would be the mother's story where it's just, Oh this my God. Tragedy.
1: Yeah. So I was thinking like at the end of this, uh cops are like, well, both suspects of, of the Mary Widow Waltz killings are done. So uh, you know, police two, suspects of murder zero.
0: Oh yeah, this went great for the cops. It went perfectly for them. Their their suspects are dealt with and they this is like the neatest possible package. Not only did they manage to close the case publicly by having a suspect die in pursuit. The other suspect is dealt with too, so even if they had any uncertainties left, it's dealt with. <laughs> you know, yeah. Don't have to
1: prove don't have to prove nothing beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. And I get to date the girl.
0: Of course. And we'll we'll keep this the crimes a secret for whatever reason. <laughs> to protect <Yep>. her mom. <laughs> it would kill her. It would kill her. So yeah, that is the end of Shadow of a Doubt. So this is your second Hitchcock. What do you figure? What is your? What do you think?
1: Uh, I liked it. I think I, overall I like Saboteur better, but I like the main character in this one a lot better. Mm-hmm. Young Charlie is a much more interesting protagonist than uh, perfect uh, pretty boy Bob or whatever Kane.
0: Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, yeah. Charlie Charlie Newton. Yeah, she's great. So next in the Alfred Hitchcock box is Rope, which is a pretty interesting one for a number of reasons.
1: Oh, that name could mean a lot of things uh, when it's just called Rope.
0: Rope. So uh, notable for a number of things. It is Hitchcock's first film in color. Okay. Uh, It is all one shot. You got really ambitious with it. It's designed like there's, uh, I think, Four hidden camera changes because like it literally wasn't possible to take a shot for that long. Cameras didn't hold that much film.
1: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you couldn't just do like a what they did or made it look like they did with Birdman.
0: Yeah, so it's it's done like that. So it seems like it's all one shot the whole movie, uh, and it's got Jimmy Stewart as the professor of these two students who have killed one of their other students and have stashed him. In part of the set and it's them ho- hosting a dinner party around his corpse and uh, dropping hints interesting it is, it is very loosely based on the Leopold and Loeb case so it is oh. Hitchcock's version of Leopold and Loeb are, as the two killers
1: oh yeah that was that was like the big serial killer the big killer story from
0: this the big Apple true says. crime case you know crime of the yeah. century
1: yeah yeah that's right
0: so, so yeah pretty big deal one uh really interesting movie i think flawed in some ways but you know uh, ambitious obviously trying a lot of different things it's in color and all one shot you know him doing the color thing for the first time while also trying on something that ambitious but, that's interesting
1: cool right on
0: so any last thoughts before we move on to part two
1: yeah, I, I really like how the how this one just kept guessing, at least until the final act, as to whether or not he was the killer or just a really weird dude. The more, I wonder why more mysteries don't have like such a believable. I mean, I guess it's probably hard to do good, but to like have a believable off-screen red herring, mm-hmm. uh, I've never really seen that before, and it, it adds like a whole new dimension to this one that I like.
0: Yeah, it's a real solid who done it, or not a who done it. Like it's just the, the tension, the suspense, uh, really the things that uh, Hitchcock is best known for. You see why? Like he mm-hmm. he is just an expert at building that stuff, and like he could do it without even another character to suspect.
1: Yeah, yeah, like this the man in the east never shows up on screen.
0: Yeah, but he's believable because he is that shadow of a doubt, and and I I like that Hitch was one of the first people who really kind of went with the meta narrative and like understood that he was building a thrill ride and sort of knew how to make you think about the film itself and how film was constructed, and that's why I feel like he's showing up in all of his movies, like he is appearing somewhere in all of them.
1: Well, like like you said earlier too, this movie feels way ahead of its time, like with the mm. portrayal of the family.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, kind of weirdly sitcommy. <laughs> it,
1: it is that, but like it works cause, because because well, it does. It works in service of the tension.
0: Well, yeah, and it's classy. They're they're not like married with children, and they're not. Uh, they're,
1: they're, <laughs> no, they're well, not no, the they're... honeymooners either.
0: No, yeah, like it feels a little higher class. It's the that you know more fizzy '40s uh, Hollywood comedy style.
1: Maybe like an Adams family.
0: Maybe, yeah.
1: Because kind of, kind of they, the they were actually, they were pretty classy.
0: Well, and also all of these people are very supportive of each other as a family, which you don't get so much in most sitcoms, which tend to be very contentious. And that was sort of the yeah. gag of the Adams family is that they're all very supportive of each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> actually what got me thinking that. It's like, these guys' personality, they should all rub each other the wrong way, but they never do.
0: Yeah. All right, well, any last thoughts before we move on to part two?
1: I think we've covered it.
0: And we're back for part two, as we're talking about Child's Play 3. Uh, we haven't talked about the previous ones. We're just talking about the third one. Uh, I haven't even
1: seen the previous ones. A
0: 1991 film by Jack Bender, director. You don't really need to see the, the previous ones to get Chucky, I don't feel.
1: No. No, I was pretty much able to pick up on it. The only thing I didn't fully get and I don't think really mattered was the rules for who we can do the possession ritual on. Because there does seem to be some rules, but I don't know.
0: No, I don't think so.
1: I don't think it Uh, it doesn't matter much.
0: he, He wants to choose a child because it means he'll have a longer life. Oh,
1: that makes sense.
0: You know, and also a child is easier to control. A child is a victim that Chucky can handle because Chucky is uh, not very capable as a villain.
1: He kind of reminds me of the slasher version of a wily coyote.
0: Kind of, because like you are supposed to laugh at him most of the time. He's not all that threatening, even though once in a while he is killing people.
1: Every now and again, he has an idea that works.
0: His own plans are a total mess every time.
1: <laughs> yeah, he he swears a lot. Uh, yeah, I've noticed.
0: Well, the the thing is that like he swears, but he doesn't swear. Like he doesn't have really one liners in any sort of sense. It's mostly just him cursing because he's screwed up or yeah. because he's a mad. A lot of
1: ah, fuck.
0: Yeah, he he's just got a shitty attitude. He has. Very little imagination. Uh, He has extremely poor impulse control.
2: (laughs)
1: Yep.
0: And he's just very fragile. He's extremely fragile.
1: He he has about the strength you would expect. He doesn't have, like, superhuman strength. He has regular doll strength, which is not much.
0: Yeah, and he's both fragile physically and emotionally. Like, he's really... uh, uh, he, he takes offense at the smallest things. Mm-hmm. And like that will get you dead because of you like mishandling him as a doll. Yeah. You pick him up too rough. and It's like, Oh, you're <laughs> definitely going to die.
1: Or you going to give him a haircut. Oh, well, that's a killable offense.
0: Or I guess you save his life. I mean, you, you never know what's going to set Chucky off.
1: Well, most of the people who he kills in this, I wouldn't say they deserve to die but most of them are jerks there is notably one victim who is innocent the uh heroic oh, garbage, garbage man.
0: man yeah poor guy
1: yeah if he was a bigger asshole he would have survived uh
0: although there is one friend kid who gets it in a surprising way although i guess that's not oh, directly yeah. directly but that is like the funniest part of the movie as far as i'm concerned
1: yeah right when uh Uh, I didn't catch like hardly anyone's name So he was the McLovin kid Right Because that's what he made me think of Uh, So we pick up Presumably where Child's Play 2 Left off No Uh, no,
0: Not really well Kind of in terms of like Are are you talking at the toy factory At
1: the toy factory Where we see like the melted Chucky I think it's Like half melted
0: It's eight years later
1: Oh, yeah, it would have to be eight years later. So they just picked up the melted half. They just, like, they're restarting the same factory and just, uh, <laughs> which they haven't touched in eight years.
0: Yeah. They, it, like, it's just been sitting dormant for all of that time. The IP has been sitting dormant and they're like, oh, eh, maybe let's revive it. Uh, which is funny because this movie actually came out nine months after the previous movie, even though they oh. inserted an eight year time jump.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So naturally, then, of course, our main guy isn't going to be played by the same person. Yeah,
0: they—they. They, I, I, it's almost like they just wanted to recast the main character or something. but Or maybe just to age him up a little bit and tell a, a bit of a different arc for him. And I think that's maybe the most compelling element of this movie, is that there's kind of an arc to Andy. Andy... Grows up a little bit, and I, I I don't know if you'll get the same thing out of it that I did because you haven't seen it. I might the other not.
1: <laughs> it's hard to say.
0: But Andy kind of he's 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 not good at things. <laughs>
1: no, he isn't. He uh,
0: <laughs> that is consistent here. He's just not really good at stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, the the most notable thing is uh, at one point we see him at a firing range where he just can't even hit the paper
0: he he's a real cody abilene with a gun
1: oh my god cody abilene that that's
0: but only with a gun (laughs) only with a gun (laughs) which is is the one thing you don't want to emulate about cody abilene
1: well i think the girl has a pity crush on him
0: the girl is great she she's very sweet uh and and yeah she's into him for no discernible reason other than that he is the main character of the movie. And I guess because he's the new kid and he's cute. I think he's supposed to be cute. I guess. He's, he's a particular early 90s sort of cute. He sort of looks like he could have been one of oh, the kids on Tool Time.
1: The, yeah, the, like he does have that Jonathan Taylor Thomas kind of yeah. wannabe vibe.
0: yeah. Uh so he is the new new casting cuz uh, the original Andy was way too young. Of course, 16.
1: Yeah. So I think it's really neat like how cuz I like, I get the feeling Chucky was kind of dead at the end of the second one but gets revived in the most ridiculous way here. They a crane thing takes his melted body which like pokes into it and causes him to bleed because despite being a doll I guess the doll that has the chucky soul has internal organs i yeah it doesn't it, matter i don't know how it works
0: it's never entirely clear how it works through all of the movies but uh it it generally the longer he's the doll the more the doll is a living body for whatever what reason
1: hap- yeah but what happens here is like they carry the melted Chucky over the uh the vat of doll goo and he ble- <laughs> he bleeds into it. So we like the opening credits is like this long slow motion. Uh we find out it's like a reverse uh uh how do I explain it? It's like somebody melted a Chucky doll and then played it back in reverse. Uh, it it looks it looks kinda neat actually. I kinda like this.
0: Yeah, so a, a good guy doll would be... Yeah, a uh, good the, guy the t- doll. So the, this is the, the, the PlayPals company uh, after le- leaving their IP dormant for a number of years to say, like, yeah, oh, let's restart this uh, toy line. It was a pretty big success. There was that scandal, but hey, you know, everybody's forgotten about that kid. We can just move on now, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, we've got, like, the whole board meeting and Mr. Musburger is there, like, well... Who cares about one kid getting traumatized? Everybody knows that we're in a business, and businesses exist to make money. And after all, children are consumer trainees,
0: yeah. and it's interesting that at this point, they they don't believe Andy again because like they they have the body of Chucky, but it, it's this weird melted multi doll where it's just a whole bunch of dolls stuck together in parts. Because they were just dumping doll bits on him at the end. Oh, okay. (laughs) Of the previous one. So, just that, like, they have decided once again, like, obviously, whatever happened, they've just decided. No, I I mean, he was still crazy, and he still ends up in foster homes. He's not reunited with his mother. And he's just done poorly in foster homes for the rest of his life.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So, oh, yes, so the first kill... Uh, of course, is Mr. Musburger. Uh, don't know his real name, but Mr. He Sullivan is Mr. Sullivan. But he is Mr. Musburger from the Hudsucker Proxy, except that he has fun stuff in his office.
0: There's all sorts of toys because it's a toy factory, and yeah, he he's a, he loves the toys.
1: Yeah, even though he when he's in the board meeting, he doesn't talk ab- like a guy who loves the toys. He talks like a guy who loves the money. It's maybe like the Santa guys, Claus. Yeah, maybe he's one of those guys who like originally got into it because he had a dream and then got too much into the business side of it but still loves the toys i don't know he's gonna die pretty quick so we won't really find out
0: uh chucky uh, kills him with a jump rope i believe
1: uh a yo-yo actually first a yo-yo. he <laughs> he dumps over a bunch of marbles okay so like so he gets a delivery musburger gets a delivery of the first the first Chucky doll, or the first good guy doll, I'm going to call them Chucky dolls because, let's face it. The first Chucky doll uh, to come off of the uh, assembly line of this new line that they're uh,
0: You, you, you have to distinguish, though, because there are other good guy dolls who are faked out for Chucky at times.
1: Oh, yes, they, and they do have their own names, and they have three lines that they can say.
0: yeah. Hi, I'm X. Haha.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think I'll be back as one of them. Or is, is that just what Chucky says at one point? No,
0: that, yeah, that's the thing. That. That's the thing Chucky
1: says. Yeah. Okay, uh, so yeah, he's got like... He, he gets the first one off of the assembly line to add to his uh, apartment slash office toy collection. And I love the design of this guy's apartment slash office. It's got like... I like to imagine he was kind of a Willy Wonka at some point.
0: It's that very specific early '90s set design that's quite maximal, uh, that's very corporate, that, that uses like big corporate spaces but uses them in like this extremely art-decorated way. Something like Scrooged with uh, Bill Murray's offices that are like these intense '80s trapezoids with all of the bar and. Uh, uh, like modern art in them Except his is all toys Like uh, Santa's workshop But corporate And kind of evil Like kind of vaguely evil
1: Yeah um, So naturally of course uh, The doll doesn't stay in the box for very long And he knocks over some marbles oh, And Musburger falls down And he like runs Tries to run him over Apparently Chucky like controls all the toys or at least in this one scene, he does. I don't know if, even if that is the power, he wouldn't get to use it much at the uh, Academy where there isn't very many toys.
0: It's another is thing that, that thing he
1: up. can
0: do? Oh, okay. No, no. I assume he's just setting up all the toys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he, he plays with toys because he's a toy. Yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know. I figured maybe toy tele- or toy uh, telekinesis would be one of his is uh toy mm-hmm. powers okay o- i guess it- not
0: obviously toy lepathy or toilekinesis.
1: oh of course oh it was right there in Please. front of me i uh toy lepathy
0: toy lepathy is my favorite definitely although toy has a little bit extra salts on it that's kind of funny
1: <laughs> yeah but yeah the toys all activated they're all harassing musburger including uh two other good guy dolls who who are talking to each oh, right. other. And, They're just yeah. setting
0: each other off. Yeah. I'm Ralph. I'm Andy. I'm Ralph. I'm Andy.
1: Yeah. So Chucky okay. smashes him with a golf club. And then throws a bunch of darts at him. Before finally strangling him with a yo-yo.
0: Good toy death. It, it seems like the sort of thing that you should get more of. In uh, the Chucky movies. Uh, just given the nature of the character. But you kind of don't uh there there's a bit of it in the first one because uh i think the first death is caused by one of his accessories which is funny
1: well i feel like the climax of this is is like their answer to the lack of toy deaths it feels like a giant toy house oh even I love though it's the... supposed to be a yeah
0: a haunted roller coaster haunted house roller coaster awesome
1: yeah, it makes no sense for it to be here, but I'm for for the haunted house to be where it is, but I'm super happy that it's there.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. It's a stupid movie, so it's totally fine. It's like, you know what? If you're doing a really stupid movie, if you just want to suddenly switch locations for the fun of it, please, please do. <laughs>
1: And to be clear, this is a stupid movie. No, this is no, nowhere near as good as uh, Shadow of a Doubt.
0: No, come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so after killing Musburger, he gets on the computer and looks up where Andy is. Because I yeah. guess in, the, in, the, in 1991, you could DOS Google people.
0: Uh, well, we know that they know about Andy because they were talking about uh, the the issues with him and the all of the lawsuits and shit. So oh, I assume they would have that,
1: been keeping tabs. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah they yeah. they just probably have files about what's going on with Andy to like keep track of him in case they want to start something up again.
1: Yeah, I guess it's not all that out of the ordinary to imagine that a corporation would have a file on specific problematic individuals. Yeah, the, problematic the one, to the company that is.
0: Right. But the, the one kid who said this uh, that uh, uh, Chucky attacked him, although. See, this is the big logic gap problem in this movie is that there is a sequence in part two where they revive him and, like, put him through testing and he kills people there
1: and gets away. So it's known that Chucky's a killer at the end of two.
0: I mean, it's known inside the company. Uh, I don't know if it's known outside the company, but, like, it is absolutely known at the beginning of Chucky Uh, 2. I see. But yeah, I, so in three, maybe... they're just kind
1: of ignoring that,
0: or maybe they're just like, ah, it was a one-off thing. <laughs> it probably didn't well, happen. It's it's the Ghostbusters two solution. It's like, well, it, it breaks the world to uh, have everyone now totally believe in ghosts, so we're just gonna pretend everybody doesn't believe the previous movie happened. Whatever, <laughs> whatever.
1: Nobody saw the big marshmallow dude. It's it's nothing. Don't worry about it.
0: Sweep that under the rug.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and like the New Yorkers a decade later is like, hey, how come nobody talks about the marshmallow guy?
0: Shut up, though. How about shut up about it? That seems to be uh, the, the corporate choice here. Yeah. yeah I mean, shut up <laughs> about it, though. Whatever.
1: Yeah. So uh, we when we catch up to Andy, he is 16 years old, has a ridiculous uh, 90s mullet. And he's being interviewed by uh, by the guy at the military academy, Kent, uh,
0: Kent uh, Military K- School,
1: Kent Military School. That's what it is. OK. Uh, this guy, I don't know, kind of reminds me of Mike Pence.
0: Colonel that's, Cochran.
1: That's, Colonel Cochrane, Yeah. he's all about manly stuff and uh, throwing away the things that happened when you were a child because men don't play with children's toys and they're and they stop being traumatized when children's toys come and attack them.
0: Yeah, which which is funny like he's he was a sitcom guy before this. He was on a show called My Two Dads.
1: I've heard of that show but I haven't seen it.
0: Yeah, I I'm sure I saw it a little bit as a kid. It's like Giovanni Rubisi came from that show. Uh, okay. And yeah, I I think he was just like a minor character on it. So even if I did watch the show, I, I only know him vaguely from his face. But yeah, it's a guy called uh Dekin Matthews. I don't know. <laughs> okay. He was also on he's like a big TV guy guy. He was on The Gilmore Girls later. Oh, oh okay. And I've... and on Desperate Housewives.
1: Nothing I've seen.
0: Yeah, no, I I don't know. Like he's on everything, but mostly just like single episode performances. His Wikipedia page is just a list of every fucking 90s TV show. <laughs> All right. So like the, the, that's the thing about him is like I'm watching the movie and it's like, man, I've seen this guy in stuff. And it's I, I looked through his credits like, yeah, I've just seen this guy in stuff. I have no idea any single role that I've seen him <laughs> in, but he is in everything.
1: He is in everything as nothing.
0: No, yeah, he's just a guy, you know, he's a dude. This is like one of his bigger roles
1: wow because it's not a huge role in this he's not even like the main antagonistic force of the academy
0: yeah i mean it's big enough of of a role that it has its own uh plot synopsis within his wikipedia page and career where they're like listing 25 feature films and they list like five or eight of them and then he played the role of colonel Cochrane in child's play three where he was killed off via heart attack he also appeared in a number of television movies.
1: <laughs> that's all he gets is one sentence. Outstanding. Oh, that's great. That's no, but yeah. that's
0: that's the sentence in his biography about Child's Play three, just referring to after like listing a bunch of other movies he was in. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> it it in, like this was notable enough that the whole role needed to be mentioned.
1: So, really, is probably his most notable role then. Oh wow.
0: Or for for, in in terms of film, I suppose. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. He he's very much that like uh, man's man kind of guy.
0: Just guys being dudes. (laughs) Dudes being guys.
1: One of those guys who got into this uh, this kind of career because he hates children. Is kind of the feeling I got.
0: Well, I I feel that that is the case of all of uh, the main guys. Uh, All of the main authority figures in this movie. And that's sort of a Mm. consistent thing with authority figures in the Chucky series. It's a very anti-authoritarian series, I suppose. Uh, Okay. In that I feel like it it recognizes all of these people in authority as failing Andy. Just Mm. by nature of the, the plot, it's required that they fail Andy. So it sort of becomes a commentary on... Uh, institutions failing andy the foster service uh totally is a is a right. complete failure for andy uh, the police just are not willing to back him up even though they directly had evidence of chucky being alive he ends up with his mom institutionalized and sent into foster care
1: yeah and now we have this uh military colonel guy being like stop having ptsd
0: yeah, exactly. He's like, well, you you just need to put childish things away. it's like just PTSD is not it. a childish thing, I'm afraid. Uh, was, yeah. And so all of the authority figures here are toxic and uh, all about masculinity. And they're not willing to nurture a person who has had just like an extremely bad childhood and has really never had an appropriate support system since Chucky was introduced to it. Uh, Mm -hmm. so can I get into the kind of weird, oddly serious theme of this movie that I think is the resonant thing and is kind of interesting about it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, I want to hear this. (laughs) So
0: I I think that uh, more or less Chucky is sort of a figure of, uh, it's not unlike Shadow of a Doubt where he is like an adult who has done something to a child or that a child is aware of uh, a crime he has committed in some way Uh, i basically it would be sort of uh, more or less a a molestation situation where he would be some sort of uh, likely a family member because he's within the household as a toy Mm -hmm. so metaphorically he kind of serves that purpose Uh, and the thing is nobody will believe andy uh, yeah. And that that is the whole theme of the first one Nobody ever believes Andy None of the authorities believe Andy He talks to psychiatrists They don't believe him uh, yeah. he, Until finally everyone has to face up to it Personally, themselves Then we start number two with Nobody believing Andy again Everybody's recanted the story The mom's been hauled off into psychiatric care uh, And Andy is put with foster parents Who do not believe him Until they are killed by Chucky <laughs>
1: Yeah. I, so I just imagine it's like Andy, you weren't actually still wrong. I'm dying of unrelated to Chucky things. So foster care
0: didn't work out great for Andy, obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you know, uh we're we're cutting to the this point later, and I think what's interesting is while Andy is still totally ineffective, uh he is still obviously and every day haunted by all of the things that happened to him. The PTSD is totally overwhelming. Mm -hmm. He still decides to become a protector of Tyler, Uh, or is it Ronald? Ronald Tyler? I I don't know his
1: first name. I just call him. I just got him as Tyler.
0: Tyler. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, The the little guy.
0: The youngest kid. Uh, And he recognizes that he is the one who is most at threat from Chucky because he is now in the situation where Andy once was. And he, despite all his faults and despite all of the things that he is totally incapable of doing, we will see throughout the movie, he is incapable of doing most things. mm But he's there for him and he is willing to listen to him. And he is the one who is going to always look at what he's saying and understand that he is like, he's going to be the responsible adult. Like, he has made the journey from going through it himself to being like, okay, now I need to be there for someone else who's going through it.
1: Be the support for this guy that I didn't have when I was in his shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool.
0: And and it just feels like it's it's sort of a, a whole thematic thing of uh, cycles of abuse and him going through just you know h- him seeing the same thing recurring that happened to him as a child. Uh, I, I don't know, like there there's a whole thing there, mm-hmm. which is interesting and more thoughtful than you would figure for a movie with some of the other things that happened in it.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know how much of that was. I kind of wonder how much of that was actually thought through or or more like they just but no that's that's definitely there like he does become the only person who gives a shit about Tyler for most of the movie because nobody fucking cares what happens to that kid
0: man I don't do not know what's going on with Tyler in his life before any toys have shown up in his life and he is just living on this army base.
1: He's so much younger than everybody else. Why is he even there?
0: He's eight and he's yeah. been there at least a couple of years. Right. Like he's been here yeah. since he was like six and there's just like nothing for him to do as a child and no one yeah. for him to socialize with. So he's easy pickings for a Chucky. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we're to see Chucky as sort of a general metaphor for. Uh, predatory figures towards children specifically
1: well there's a few uh, a few predatory figures uh, in this place besides Chucky Uh, we met one of course with with Cochrane, who is certainly one of them but he's more like the he's less of a predatory figure and more like a I don't give a shit uh, children are best seen and not heard kind of guys
0: he's more of a standard level uh, a systematized abuse rather than uh, a- any sort of uh, more direct abuse. He, he he just is not interested.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, the next abusive character who we meet is the barber.
0: <laughs> this guy's so uh, ridiculous. The most guy, absurd character in the movie.
1: <laughs> he's got, and nobody ever draws attention to it, and we never see him add to it. So it's more of like, never mentioned so you just have to be looking at the set to know that he adorns his barber thing with hair clips of every single person that like he's cut the hair of and he's just got it on the wall with labels
0: they're trophies like,
1: they are trophies and this guy is weird like, super into cutting people's the thing is, hair <laughs> the
0: the thing is it would be cute if he were like a round, jolly Eastern European man with like a, a, a push broom mustache who had like just all of these little clips from all of the boys he'd processed through and is like, oh, my boys, you know, but he's a creep. He's just a complete oh, weirdo. He's,
1: he's got like psycho eyes. Yeah. And he's like, basically, he's like, oh, I can't wait to cut your hair. Oh, yeah. You stupid little. Nineties mini mullet or whatever you got going on, yeah, I'll cut that hair real good.
0: So, like, one, it's very sexualized, and I, I do think that that's intended.
1: Oh, oh, definitely.
0: <laughs> uh, and two, honestly, if I were a barber and someone came in with one of those fucking terrible nineties dudes, I would be kind <laughs> of excited. It's like, I'm looking forward to shaving that. I gotta say. <laughs>
1: Uh, But it's actually it's in this room, too, um, because he's the TV's on while he's getting his haircut uh, that the good guy commercial comes on. (laughs) And I got to say, the uh, the the good guy from the animation looks nothing like the dolls that actually come out, which is, you know, very true to all of those commercials from that era.
0: Yeah, I mean it's the advertising version. Uh, This is actually reused from I think the first movie. They they've just like reused the original trailers that they used in, or like the ads that they made for the first movie inside it. They're just re-airing the same ones which, like, yeah. cost-cutting, but I guess it also makes sense for this company. that They're just like, eh, let's just reboot the existing line. We'll, we'll just literally <laughs> start up the machine with, like, the monster in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's just, fine. just move the monster out of there. Uh, don't bother sweeping up the cobwebs, though. Who has time for that? Let's use a same commercial.
2: Yeah.
1: Why, why make a hand? new one?
0: Yeah, it's fine. It worked uh, then.
1: But, well, it's working now because... Uh, the first thing we see of Tyler is that oh, he he's puts so him, into it. He puts down his game gear and looks at the commercial. And he's like, wow. And I'm like, dude, you have a game gear. I what do you for- want a Chucky doll for.
0: I mean, I guess it's because he is really young. Yeah, and maybe he just kind of hasn't had that sort of toy, but it does kind of like he kind of has to be really young for this to work because it's 1991. It it, it does seem kind of weird.
1: Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah, you couldn't have a 16 year old taking the tie that wouldn't work.
0: Honestly, you know, I maybe it isn't even 1991 because this is nine months after the previous movie. And there's an eight year time jump. So maybe so we
1: could be at like 98 or
0: something. 98 or 99. So he just has like this fucking game gear and that's all he's got an, an an old used game gear. Oh,
1: and I still are not as cool in 99 as they were in 91. I,
0: I still have a hard time buying that he'd really be into the good guy doll. But what can I say?
1: That was never my kind of thing. I, I, I liked toys that did stuff. and uh, Transformers. Yeah, Activity oh, yeah. toys.
0: Some good Transformers. I mean, I speak as someone who still has some Transformers up on the on show. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. <laughs> right on. So Tyler's like super into the doll, which is great because uh, he's going to get one. Whether he likes so, it or not. Yeah, exactly. So we start meeting the other kids because uh, Andy or... As he's referred to for the whole rest of the movie, Barkley, because Colonel Mike Pence doesn't believe in individuality things like (laughs) first names. First
0: names. No, no.
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny because, like, we never find out the girl's first name until, like, the last scene.
0: Right. De Silva. uh,
1: Yeah. And the bully guy, we never find out his first name.
0: It's Brett. I think okay. it does come up at some... I think it might come up when he's talking to Ron... Or talking to Tyler later. Oh, uh, okay. If not, it's in the credits, but yeah. Uh, yes. Shelton.
1: Yeah, Shelton. So, yeah, we find out that uh, in the dorm, his roommate is the super nerdy kid, like the McLovin guy. White Castle or something? White something?
0: Uh, uh Whitehurst... That's what it
1: was Yeah, Yeah. Uh, Because he's been tied up And locked in the closet uh, For god knows what reason The bullies wanted to
0: Yeah because he's he's, uh, An easy target Uh, Man this kid
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which one the nerd kid
0: Yeah like it's such an Interesting character because he's Obviously just the helpful friend guy And he's trying to do the right Thing and he's sort of helpful and he's Always a good guy and then, spoilers, he just gets the funniest, most cruel and unnecessary death, and it has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. <laughs> it could easily have been avoided.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. When it, it was one of those things, when it's happening, I'm like, oh, my God. Is he going to do that?
0: Yeah. Oh and my then God, he is. <laughs> and then you figure, like, oh, well, it, 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 given the character that he is, it just won't go off. And then he just fucking goes up. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. Chucky's best kill in the movie for sure. We'll we'll get to it more, but when we get there, but man.
1: Uh, so yeah, he, we learned that Shelton is like the bully, and then at the uh, drills the next day, we find out that he's not just the bully, but he's he's like the king of school.
0: He's literally the highest ranked cadet. Yeah, he's the cadet yeah. lieutenant colonel.
1: Yeah, so he. <laughs> a position that he very clearly only got so that he could bully people
0: or it's it's a position he got to uh or, or that he rose to through bullying uh through mm. bully behavior <laughs> but yes, just of like course. it really powered him through the ranks
1: yeah yeah because of course cochran's just like oh wow he's a bully just like a real man
0: yeah it's it's a chicken egg sort of situation uh it it fits with the the commandant's whole uh vibe so yeah Mm -hmm.
1: one or the other he singles out andy because andy is like the new guy and you know he does like the whole drill sergeant bullying thing that they all that they all do with the new guy only he's a fucking asshole about it because andy doesn't like andy doesn't even suck here he It's just because he's the new guy. And here's where De De Silva is like, I believe you are an asshole, sir. And I don't agree with your assessment, sir. And I'm just going to talk shit about you and then take the punishment like it's not even a big deal, sir. I like her. Yeah, she's fun. He's like, drop and give me 20. And she's like, drop and give you 20. What, sir? Push-ups. Oh, my God. You're really taking all the fun out of bullying you. And, of course, she does the push-ups effortlessly because she's awesome.
0: Well, she's one of the top students. Uh, So she can sass him back. Like, he he really doesn't have anything on her. Mm.
1: I don't think this gets explored, but I kind of feel like her parents must be really important because she's always saying how it's like the only thing she can't do is get herself kicked out of the academy, and she's tried. Right. And I I figure it's like got to be like parental influence that's keeping her there.
0: Most likely. There's always someone like that in uh, any sort of military school or like uh, private school sort of situation. Like uh, that that one movie where Will Wheaton gets lit up. Another one. Uh, Toy Soldiers.
1: I don't know if I've seen that, actually.
0: (laughs) This is pretty fun. Uh, Will Wheaton is the child of a mafia boss and like he's at a (laughs) private school. And, you know, it's a private school with lots of rich kids. So this terrorist group takes over the school to hold all these incredibly rich kids for ransom.
1: Oh, so so instead of just taking Patty Hearst, they took the whole Patty Hearst entire classroom.
0: They they like take over the whole school and they're they're like demanding oh. all sorts of stuff, uh, but like his dad is part of the mafia, so they're like really trying to treat him nice. And then things <laughs> go wrong. Spoilers, but it's the whole reason to see the movie. He gets fucking lit up. Will oh. Wheaton blown away, and it's like concurrent with early next gen, so it's mm, sweet.
1: <laughs> in, in the I can't. The I want Wesley Crusher to shut up. Era.
0: Yes, uh, and he he's got like a, a, a little uh, chain and cross earring. Oh, mm, it's perfect! Mm, it's so good. <laughs>
1: oh my god.
0: <laughs> he gets right. blown away.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so back to Tyler. Uh, oh yes, Tyler. Who just, yeah, now forced to be an errand boy uh, because Andy got a package from somebody. And Cochran's like, "Hey, go deliver this to him."
0: I wonder how Chucky was able to mail himself to Andy. Mm. How did he get himself gift wrapped? I have Who a knows? theory. Okay.
1: One of Chucky's powers is he just is always able to get himself into convenient spots, even when it makes no sense for him to be able to. Hmm. Like it's like an extension of the typical slasher teleportation power.
0: I mean, he's I always guess,
1: showing up in cupboards. I, he
0: he seems to be really good at like shipping himself or, or getting himself to places he needs to be. I have no idea why.
1: Yeah, no, he he has teleportation powers to get him into the situation he needs to be in to try to do the kill, and usually have it blow up in his face because he can't teleport out of a bad situation.
0: God, teleportation,
1: <laughs> toilet. Oh my god! Of course, <laughs> teleportation. To- uh, so so Tyler, um, I guess he, like, trips or falls or something because, like, this box is as big as he is, bigger yeah. than he is.
0: Yeah, like, and, Chucky is the same size as him, basically.
1: Yeah, and this box is huge for the size of the doll. So, yeah, he rips accidentally rips the paper, and he sees it's a good guy doll, so he's like, oh, I'm actually going to take this and keep this to myself instead of delivering it to where it's supposed to go. <laughs> and he he goes and takes it to the armory and opens it up and uh, and Chucky comes alive and starts talking to him.
0: So like on the one hand, dishonest, not not right. But on the other hand, what does Andy do? Andy's sixteen. He doesn't need a good guy doll. I'm I'm kind of oh. on Tyler's side. Oh yeah. Also Andy he he's gonna know already that Andy like I think he was there seeing the commercial when Andy was seeing it and was not having it. So like, yeah,
1: no, he had I think like he a, kn- bit of a bit of an yeah. episode there
0: Yeah, so I feel like he would have a bit of an idea that Andy wouldn't even want this I may as well just take it off his hands
1: Yeah, besides, who actually sent this to Andy anyway? Nobody loves him
0: <laughs> I mean, who's he
1: got? He's got nobody I'm curious who Chucky tried to say was was the sender when he mailed it off
0: I'm figuring he's just having it sent by the toy company because he probably mailed himself from there.
1: Oh, uh, that would make sense.
0: Maybe that's how so, he had himself gift-wrapped, is that like he left a note in—he uh, Like he, he, he had a note sent from the director's office after he killed him?
1: <laughs> uh, that could be. As Chucky's talking to Tyler, uh, we see Andy being—we see the scene at the firing range where Andy is just shit at guns. Yeah. And, and De Silva, of course, has to, like, help him and put it, her hands on his and be like, here's how you shoot. And, you know, because we're teenagers, we're going to be all awkward and and you're going to get a crush on me after this. Uh, but with her help, he is able to hit the page, not the target, but the page. So, you know, progress.
0: It's, it's a start.
1: Yeah. She, of course, has made three bullseyes. She's top of
0: the class. She's really good at this shit. She's yeah. completely capable at all times.
1: So we cut back to Tyler who's <laughs> uh he's playing he doesn't want Chucky he wants to play hide and seek, but Chucky wants to play hide the soul. So he's gotta do like this whole dark ritual to get inside Tyler's body. And he's just having Tyler like lie down <laughs> while he's doing it. Like, here, lie down in the middle of the armory. I'm just gonna do this right here.
0: Look, I've gotta pay the troll toll.
1: <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing <laughs> uh
0: well i I mean that's the obvious metaphor as well. It's like, oh, we're gonna play hide the blank it, 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 it's not expertly done, but like the the metaphor is quite obvious,
1: mm-hmm. but Chucky is thwarted when Cochrane shows up and is like, toys, I hate toys, I'm just gonna take you and throw you in the garbage.' Tyler, get up, you suck. And yeah, he just takes Chucky away, and Chucky's like, oh, fuck's sakes. This is going to happen to me a lot, isn't it? Here's where we have the second kill. Uh, This one, actually. It's poor garbage, man. So, uh, So Cochran tosses him in the dumpster, which immediately gets picked up by the trash man. And Chucky is, like, screaming his lungs out as the... As, as he's being dumped into the back of the garbage truck, which is causing the guy to be like, oh my God, there's just like somebody in there. I'm going to be an actual heroic garbage man and save him. So he jumps into the back of the truck. He's like digging for him and digging for him. And Chucky, of course, I guess teleported out with his Chucky powers. Cause I don't know how he would have got out otherwise and gets into the, the, uh, the front of the truck and crushes the garbage man. So yeah, th- this is like the one guy he kills besides, uh, besides the nerdy guy at the end but like the one guy who isn't an asshole at all like this guy is actually trying to save a child and that's why he dies and like the whole if he was a bigger asshole the whole movie would be over right here because he would just crush chucky and that'd be that
0: yeah it's a completely unfair death Uh, there there's absolutely no rhyme or reason to it uh and there there's this whole thing with like I, i presumably just as soon as he stopped the the compactor, Chucky, was fine, and he got out. He climbed out, and he was able to get away. But just the fact that he decided to wait around and then continue to call, that's the thing, is that the driver didn't, like, climb into the back and was looking for him already. He continued to lure him into the <laughs> compactor and then set it off. Like, even though this guy saved him. Yeah, well,
1: Chucky's an asshole.
0: he just has like incredibly poor impulse
1: control oh yeah he's like hey man i could kill a guy right now i have the option to kill a guy or the option to not kill a guy well what am i gonna pick but yeah like it's a gruesome death we see him getting crushed as he like trying to wave his hand out so somebody would see him and stop the compactor that that's the part that actually kind of bothered me about this was that like his hand was out and he was trying so hard to escape. It's like,
0: oh yeah, it's really intense. It's it's definitely the most uh, messed up kill in the movie. Because uh, like, there's one other kill that is like for a character that totally doesn't deserve it, but it's also hilarious. So yeah, <laughs> it's I don't mind so it so funny. much. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. This this isn't a funny kill, and and it's not a cathartic kill either.
0: Yeah, but. it's a weird one. Uh, it's it's like it, it's one of those great nightmarish kills like it's a proper horror kill because it's like there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just this guy is a serial killer. Like that's what he did uh-huh. before he died and became a toy.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. So after this, uh, Chucky manages to get into Andy's dorm room and is hiding under the bed. He appears to hamstring uh, Andy, but apparently Andy, it it doesn't take.
0: Well, he probably doesn't really have the strength as a doll to give him a proper fucking tendon cut. He's just going to give him a little bit of a cut on the back of his fucking ankle.
1: Uh, oh, yeah, you know what? That's that's probably what it is.
0: Like, I think that's really key to understand about Chucky is that Chucky has very little actual power. Uh, he He's just a little shit. That That's really his main deal.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's probably... Like, I I didn't... This is a movie like I didn't really I wasn't really into at first and then like got more and more into it as it went on. And I think it was as I realized what kind of character Chucky was supposed to be. He's not supposed to be scary. He's just supposed to be well, he's supposed to be kind of like a murderous wily e. Coyote sort of like he gets his kills, but he also gets a lot of shit blown up in his face and he's not really threatening.
0: He's not threatening and he's never really supposed to be sympathetic. Uh, yeah. It, it it's sort of weird because like he, he's sort of Freddy-esque in that he does he's sort of jokey, uh he's seen he's got main character syndrome, uh he he's like sort of the main focus of the movies, even though like there's the ongoing Andy character in all of these, who I think is abandoned after this one. Oh, okay. Uh but he's totally ineffectual and his one-liners are not like one-liners. They're just like him swearing. He's like the most <laughs> rudimentary form of Freddie.
1: Yeah. He's like all the gaslighting against children of Freddy, but with none of the power to back it up.
0: Like, you know, a real person who does this, which is sort of getting back to my point about the, the more resonant ideas of the movie and that like, he is just sort of this basic ass, fucking shitty gaslighting abuser and he just plays all the regular notes and he doesn't really do anything new with it and he's just kind yeah. of a shit
1: so yeah like the Eddie and Chucky fight for a bit and then Shelton the bully guy barges in and, and now it's his turn to grab the, t- the doll and take him away
0: although he uh, doesn't plan to throw it away he plans to give it to I think his sister
1: oh Oh, yeah, I think that's probably something like that.
0: He he said something about, like, he he, he had some uh, relative who had a birthday coming up. He was like, oh, I mean, this would make a perfect gift.
1: And after all, the, the Commandant says that we're not allowed to have anything remotely fun or happy, so get rid of the happy thing and make my sister happy. Two birds with one stone. Three birds because I get to bully uh, Andy some more by taking his shit.
0: Although Andy clearly wants him to take it. It's like, yeah, please take it. Take it away. Destroy it, please.
1: Well, that night, Andy sneaks into Shelton's room with a little pocket knife to look for Chucky. But what he sees is uh, a conspicuously missing knife from Shelton's knife board on the wall. Like it's the whole thing with the like the faded uh, knife shaped silhouette where it's supposed to be.
2: Mm hmm. Like,
0: like the chainsaw uh, outline in uh, evil From the evil
1: dead. Yeah. yeah. And we have Chucky like while he's seeing this, Chucky sneeps, sneaks up on uh, Andy, which causes him to fall into Shelton on the bed and wake him up. So now they all got to do punishment drills until 1am outside. And I guess Chucky manages to get away because now he's going after Tyler. <laughs> I love this part of the movie because he's trying to stalk Tyler. Uh, but Tyler's left a note for him that says, "Tag, you're it." And t- Tyler's kind of stalking him too, so he's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I got to deal with this shit."
0: Right? Because Tyler also has a knife, but it's like a toy knife, like a plastic one.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And it's right around here where I like I finally caught onto it. It's like, oh, okay. So Chucky's whole thing is he wants to kill all these people and he wants to do all the shit to get into a body, but life just fucking wants to torture him in like all these little petty ways and it's kind of fun
2: well
0: like uh, the weird thing with Chucky is in in the first one there was sort of a deadline he needed to get out of the body at a certain point or you know he would become the doll Uh, and he specifically had to meet up with Andy because Andy was the first person that he revealed who he was to because he just happened to be the kid who got the toy Right. Uh I don't really understand why in this one he's able to choose another boy or anything like that. I think it's just more of a thematic thing or just a pragmatic thing, like, well, we gotta have it continue.
1: Well, he he does mention it when he first meets Tyler. He's like, Wait, in this form nobody knows who I am, so if you're the first one oh, to, yeah. to know who I am, like I figure that was part of like the rules right. of Chuckiness that I didn't yeah. understand.
0: So he's reborn, so now that Tyler is the first one he saw, or revealed himself to, uh, as in his new form, I guess. Yeah. I I guess that the CEO doesn't count.
1: No. Well, he didn't reveal himself to the CEO, he didn't, like, say who he was.
0: I guess. I mean, he he revealed himself in that he showed up as a fucking killer doll and murdered him. Well, yeah. (laughs)
1: you know if he kills the C, or if he does if he takes the CEO's body he's going to be in like a 90-year-old dude's oh, yeah. body I he's mean, just going to have to get another one right away
0: it's a bummer like he he's much more excited to uh be getting uh, another like child like he, he's really excited to become a 5-year-old in the first one when andy was really young
1: cuz he'll have so much more time for killing right
0: yeah basically <laughs> that, that's his thing Uh, and this one, of course, I'm going to be a bro.
1: Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, Tico from the Patty Hearst movie would be so jealous because he wants to be black so badly.
0: This would be like the dream. If he was able to like (laughs) transition himself into a killer doll and then become a black kid and actually grow up black in poverty, maybe in like a military school, like a really oppressive (laughs) establishment. This is like oh, a
1: would wet Oh, he love that shit. Yeah. <laughs> See, the man is actually keeping me down, just like I've been saying they were. This justifies all my future and past actions. Yeah. So Andy and the other kids are all doing, from Shelton's uh, class, I guess, are all doing the punishment drills, uh, like basically just walking around in a circle into the rain in the middle of the night, while uh, apparently... De Silva and her friend were able to break into the Commandant's office while the punishment thing was going on. I guess she got exempt from that somehow. Don't quite get it, but...
0: They may be in a slightly different class. I don't know.
1: Yeah, or maybe it was just the boys. I don't really understand how, like, the classes are set up in this, because...
0: Well, there's only, like, two girls. So I, I, it seems like maybe they have some special privileges because there's just, like... The two of them, they may have their own barracks. Wasn't that a oh, whole that thing? that could be. In, in the Simpsons episode where they go to military college, remember they have oh, to kick yeah. all of the boys out, and there's only Lisa in the, the girls' dorm because they had right. to kick out all the boys because she's the first girl. I, mean, yeah, that's well, I could situation. see this being
1: that kind of thing. I mean, yeah. they only have two girls. They only have one small child.
0: I have no idea why. Oh, yeah, no. Isn't the small child related to someone on base? I don't know.
1: He's no. Well, Tyler's dad is fighting for his country in the Air Force right now, okay. but that's all yeah. we find out. It does make no sense why he's here.
0: Well, yeah, it seems like maybe he, he's sort of like uh, an army base orphan or something, you know? Like his dad oh. is off fighting and his mom doesn't. His mom's out of the picture for whatever reason, so he's in military college care of the military or care of the air force or whatever.
1: Yeah. So the two girls have broken into the commandant's office. <laughs> it seems like a weird thing to do, but apparently it's because De Silva wants to read up on Andy's file and like find out about his tragic backstory. Cause that's what she's doing here. She's like, Oh wow. Foster kids. Well, this explains everything about why he is the way he is. But notably, they like they get distracted by a sound right before they would find the newspaper clipping about uh, the whole Chucky incident.
0: If those are there, I mean, presumably they would be. But who knows?
1: No, we see them there.
0: Oh, we do see
2: them. Yeah,
1: Yeah, we see them Uh, like it would have been the next page they would have looked at, except that uh, Tyler has found Chucky and they're both hiding in the closet of the commandant's office. Da Silva and the other girl think Chucky's just like the cutest thing, and they're like, oh my god, he's so cute. I'm going to put lipstick on him, and Tyler's like, no, don't do that. He doesn't like that. He's going to look stupid. Should It shouldn't be like a big deal, but to someone like Chucky, being forced to be completely frozen and having lipstick on him actually would be so humiliating that he would absolutely hate it. And I'm like,
0: ha ha. Oh yeah, this is what I'm talking about with his extremely fragile ego. Is this, this is the exact sort of thing that like someone would get killed in one of these movies for, except I don't know if either of these girls ever get any retribution.
1: Uh, De Silva gets shot in the leg, but
0: Yeah, but not even by him, really. No,
1: not even by him. And the other girl just disappears after this scene. Yeah. She's not even in the movie anymore.
0: Maybe there is like a, a cut kill of her it's totally well, possible because this is 91 this is sort of the end of the slasher cycle when they kind of started to censor the shit out of these Oh. Right, which is man. funny given you know the murder <laughs> thing and the whole did you even were you even able to spot where the one was that they were talking about
1: uh well you said it was about the blue paint right so i figured it's got to do with the paintball scene
0: Maybe. Like, the the only thing that I could find in terms of what sequence in the movie it was supposed to be like is that they mentioned that it was a scene where uh, one of Chucky's victims is splashed with blue paint.
1: The only—well, no, his victims never get splashed with blue paint. Uh, he's the one who gets splashed with blue paint at one point.
0: I mean, that There's is the else quote. Who might get
1: hit <laughs> Well, it's also important to note that the person who apparently got the idea from the movie didn't actually watch the movie at all.
0: Yeah, no, they had, they had not seen it. It was completely made up. Uh,
1: it it
0: yeah. was it was uh, totally fabricated. So it, it does make sense that uh, it's hard to identify what scene is the incredibly notorious scene that led to this extremely tame late slasher movie <laughs> being banned in England for years. It's
1: so tame. There's a few kills. There is no gore except for what happens to Chucky. Um, it's tame.
0: <laughs> it's it's quite tame. Like, there's nothing you would have to cut if you were showing it on television.
1: Yeah, like, maybe the barber getting his throat cut. Maybe. Maybe.
0: maybe. If It, like, depends what time of day you're showing it, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the girls uh, hear somebody coming, and they grab Tyler but leave the Chucky doll behind for Cochrane to find so this is actually my favorite kill uh i know you got yours that comes later with oh, him where
0: he just dies <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah so so he tosses the chucky doll into the into the trash and then he turns his back and then he here's movement and he looks around he turns around and sees the trash bin is knocked over and the chucky doll is gone and here's where i'm thinking it's going to be like this whole big cat and mouse thing with chucky and this guy that's kind of like that's going to kind of parallel the musburger scene because he's got like this whole model thing set up and i figured that was going to play into it but he just sees that the chucky's gone and he's just like <gasps> And then Chucky jumps out from behind the desk and he just has a heart attack. And he just fucking dies. And Chucky's there like, come on. I wanted to kill him. Oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. He's so disappointed that he can't kill this guy (laughs) because he just dies of a heart attack. And, and like, he, he even makes the, like, he's even all dramatic about it. He, like, falls back into the table of the models and, like, smashes it. And it's just so dramatic, but, like, so disappointing to Chucky. Like, life takes away another one of his victories. Yeah, yeah, this is my favorite one.
0: Hmm. That's pretty good.
1: So the next day they're in the cafeteria, and here's where we have uh, the the pedophile barber uh, just going around, like, grabbing everybody's hair, like... Oh, your hair's getting pretty long. You need to come see me on Friday. Your hair's real long. You need to come see me on Wednesday. Oh, you're bald. Keep it up, guy. And you, uh, Whitehurst, you're a disgrace. You're a total disgrace. You need to see me right now. Or no, it's, uh, I can't remember. He calls either Andy or Whitehurst to see him right away.
0: It's Whitehurst.
1: It, okay, it is.
0: But before Whitehurst gets there, Chucky kills him. Uh, he he goes after he he gets him with the straight razor. I don't think there's a whole lot of lead up to it because uh, it, it cuts really. back to his his place, and Chucky gets there and kills him off before Whitehurst yeah, gets there. That's right.
1: Yeah, that's right. And then is Whitehurst... in the cupboard, even though there's no reason for him to be in this one cupboard. The the pedophile's like wants to give him a haircut. He sits Chucky onto the chair, and he's like, "I'm gonna cut your hair."
0: weird um, weird I, I don't get what it what his deal is
1: yeah uh, but yeah he, he gets killed with a straight razor the the only really important thing about this is that Whitehurst sees the aftermath while Chucky's laughing maniacally
0: yeah he, he happens in like right as Chucky kills him and so he's like oh shit uh, Andy was right all along
1: yeah yeah because Andy had told him about the thing and he's like I'm just going to ignore what you said
0: it's like, I'm sorry, that sounds crazy. What, what can I yeah. do? Uh, everybody already hates me. I'm already bullied to shit.
1: And yeah, Andy, uh, realizing that he completely failed to warn Whitehurst, instead decides to warn Tyler, because he realizes correctly that Tyler is like the perfect victim for Chucky. And he's like, listen, that doll is bad news. It's a murder doll and all that shit. And Tyler's like, you know, you're just jealous because doll loves me more than he loves you now.
0: Well, he it's like he told me you'd say that. You know, yeah. he, he's he been groomed.
1: Oh, he totally has. Like, Tyler is on... Like, he knows that talk, Chucky's a magic talking doll, and he's on team talking doll right now.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, talking uh, doll all the way. It, it, he yeah. does, he does not see the danger yet.
1: No, not at all, because, of course, Chucky's all like... He's <laughs> as grooming best him. best he can as he's doing his good guy act when it's just them. I
0: mean... <laughs> To extent. I mean, but yeah, yeah. He, he's just grooming him. That that is the whole yeah. thing. He he is being groomed. Oh,
1: totally. So Andy's just like, okay, well, fine, but here, just take this anyway, and he gives him his pocket knife.
0: So it's war games.
1: Yes. Now it's time for war games that they're going to hold in honor of Cochrane, who had his heart attack. They're even like, well, not only would he want us to go on, I think he would order us to go on. So we're going to do our war games, which is basically extreme paintball.
0: Yeah, honestly, I don't think they're wrong. Uh, oh no, probably, he, he would have. That's he true. definitely would want them too. Uh, so yeah, Chucky, of course, replaces the paintballs with live ammunition
1: with live ammo, which I didn't. Know this is this you is could... this...
0: Does not make any sense, it, on multiple levels.
1: <laughs> like like paintball guns are a different mechanism altogether, but in this, the paint ammo looks just like real bullets, but like with like it looks but, like just like a red lipstick tip at the end.: Yeah, so are these paint
0: just, paint bullets, supposedly, are these just
1: blanks with like with paint.
0: I think that's maybe supposed to be that's like totally not how paintball works, obviously.
1: it's not how paintball works, and like when, when they're shooting the guns as demonstration, they work like real paintball guns, so they shouldn't work, but it's because
0: also... they are they are real paintball guns because this is stupid and and there's <laughs> like a further layer of stupidity to it is just the idea that if they had as a military college, one of the main things would be gun safety and knowing what oh, yeah. is in your gun and checking what you, like bullets are put in. How would it be possible that they all have all of their bullets preloaded for them, like waiting <laughs> oh, in like, a place that's completely absurd on every <laughs> no, level? This you
1: load like, your own damn gun.
0: Like, I'm willing to accept Talking Doll. This is the most absurd element of the entire movie to me. Doesn't does not work.
1: It doesn't work, but I accept it anyway because it's about the only way that Chucky's ever going to be able to be effective here. And I'm like, just kind of thinking, like, even though it doesn't work this way, they're setting up a fucking massacre.
0: Well, they are setting it up, but it never actually really takes place ultimately.
1: No, it doesn't. Because the, the paintball thing, like the actual when the games start, which is like immediately, most of...
0: It's mostly reconnaissance, basically.
1: It's mostly reconnaissance, and, like, Shelton's made this whole map of where he's found out that the red team is, because all of our guys are on the blue team except for Tyler. And uh, Andy's like, okay, well, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to steal Shelton's uh, recon map and go find Tyler and save him from the Chucky doll. Uh, hey, Whitehurst, are you in? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm scared shitless of this doll. It's like, okay, well, fine, I'll do it myself.
0: Oh right, because he he needs to heroically—he's
1: gonna have to do his thing later, but
0: yeah, to to like make up for not being able to step yeah. up now, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: it's it's a bit still of a stretch. It's not not. A pr- yeah, no. I mean, I guess that's. I, I'm trying to figure the mechanism of the movie. Like, I guess that's the point, but uh, yeah. it's a big overcorrection. It it doesn't make sense. Well, nothing about uh, again, the war game makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's a whole weird black hole in the movie. It's like, we've written ourselves into a problematic area, and now we just need to kill someone and deal with some stuff, and then let's just go to the carnival.
1: Yeah, so basically what ends up happening is uh, th- there's a bunch of stalking going on. Uh, Shelton wakes up to find out his map's missing, and also that Andy's missing, so he immediately... Rather than, like, come to any other logical conclusion, he's like, oh, yeah, well, Andy's working for the red team as a spy. Uh he gets the radio off of somebody and is radioing people on the red team who seem to listen to him, despite the fact that nobody on the red team should know who he is. Uh, he gets everybody. Anyways, the important thing is he gets everybody all in one place at one time. Around, around like this, this, uh, abandoned Jeep or something. Yeah. And the red team sees the blue team there and, you know, they're still doing their war game. So they open fire, but it's only the red team that's got the, uh, the swapped ammo. So, uh, Shelton gets one right in the heart. And I think, uh, De Silva gets one in the leg before the red team finally is like, Oh shit, we're firing live ammo. Uh, uh, we are in huge trouble. Let's stop this immediately. Uh, but Chucky's got a hand grenade. So he drops the hand grenade or throws it or something. and he here's where, uh, Yeah, he tosses it. And here's where Whiter steps up.
0: This is such a weird sequence because he has so much time. Like, he sees it. We see it land. He's looking at it. We see him look back and forth. There's like a good long several beats where like he could have Grabbed it and thrown it.
1: I honestly thought he was going to heroically go and kick it out of the way. I didn't think he 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 fucking throws his body at Human Shield's uh, bomb squad things it uh, and gets himself completely blown up.
0: Well, that's the thing is that he gets fucking blown up. You know, in in every other version of this, he would, you know, it, it wouldn't go off or something would save him because, you know, he's just. The The friend character is generally yeah. uh, You know not he, He's done no wrong in the movie And yeah he yeah. just gets fucking lit up He gets so blown up by a fucking grenade Best part of the movie
1: It's pretty good actually Like I, I didn't see it coming Because I, I really thought he was just going to go And pick it up and throw it But no he, he gets blown up I guess it's time to go to the fair Now that, uh, now that that's all done
0: Yeah because uh, Chucky's made off with Tyler to the fair.
1: Yeah, yeah. Chucky's taken Tyler to the fair, this whole, and we can just put this whole war game scene behind us because nothing here made sense. Uh, the fair doesn't make sense either, but I don't care because it's entertaining as shit.
0: It especially does not make sense that it is right next to a firing range, military academy, whole thing, like, where they're going to be playing war games with any sort of ammo. Like, if they have guns that could fire live ammunition, how do they have a carnival next to it.
1: I know, and it's like it's right next to it too. Like it's it's within walking distance of of the grounds it's right where they're there. camping and doing their freaking war games. But again, I don't care because they get to go into this awesome haunted house.
0: I love a good dark ride, especially like uh, a really amped up movie version of one.
1: Um, Chucky, of course, has to kill the uh, helpful security guard first. Uh, but then they go into the haunted house. It looks like just like some crappy haunted house thing from the outside, but from the inside, it's like Universal Studios rides and shit. It's it's crazy how huge this place is.
2: Well, and because how, this like,
0: is the big set piece of the movie, so they made like you know a proper fucking thrill ride. Yeah,
1: and it's it looks awesome, honestly. Like there's this giant Grim Reaper swinging scythes around there's a big mountain of skulls all these like tombstones with skeletons coming up and i mean it's clearly made to be like a climax scene from a movie but it's so cool i don't care i love it
0: yeah no it's a rad skull coaster i'm into it mm-hmm. so um, it, it's it's actually here where De silva gets shot chucky yeah, right. is the she one doesn't... who shoots her
1: oh right because she's got the like the little mini sidearm from the security guard's drawer whereas Da Silva took the sidearm out of the security guard's holster which is a much bigger and better gun but yeah she gets shot by Chucky so Andy has to try and save the day with his Chekhov's bad gunmanship skills but he had the lesson so maybe maybe he'll get better
0: and he does he shoots Chucky he, to does.
1: he shoots. he shoots he blows Chucky's arm off first Oh, Chucky gets his face swiped by the Grim Reaper Scythe, which is like, why is this thing even sharp? Because that'll be the hilarious thing to hurt Chucky. That's why don't think about it too hard. And like, so Chucky's got like Terminator face going on. So Chucky's doing the ritual at the top of Skull Mountain. And uh, Andy shoots off his arm and then shoots him in the chest. Uh, And then climbs up to go save Tyler, who's, like, dangling off of the fan. But then Chucky gets up onto Andy's back.
0: uh, This really extremely dangerous-looking fan that it doesn't seem possible would be in the middle of a ride that, like, guests would be going through. Like, it it really looks insanely dangerous.
1: Oh, yeah. No, this this thing was obviously designed to be an awesome set piece for a movie and not a functional ride of any description. But, yeah, like, this is a person-mulching fan.
0: Or a doll munching fan.
1: Oh, it could mulch a doll.
0: It's uh, so yeah, definitely going to mulch a doll.
1: It's definitely going to mulch a doll. So, like, they do this whole dramatic thing where, like, he's trying to save Tyler, and Tyler reaches up to give Andy the the pocket knife that he gave him before. So Andy grabs the knife and then slices off Chucky's one remaining hand and tosses him into the fan, which explodes. And that's... About it He he explodes, he gets gibbed There's like chunks of Gory doll flesh everywhere But it's also kind of badly CGI'd
0: uh, Yeah, it, it's right at that point You know, it's 91 Just before uh, T2 Or the same year as T2 Just a couple years before Jurassic Park It's like it's starting to creep in
1: mm-hmm. But uh, it, this ain't no Terminator 2 No he gets blown up by the fan, Andy gets the girl, Tyler is safe, most of the faculty of the Academy is dead, but eh, whatever.
0: Yeah, very, pretty much only Academy. Like, we we really only uh, had him killing off old dudes, which is kind of surprising. You know, he, yeah, not... Even though, you know, he's sort of a child predator character, ultimately. But he kind of doesn't actually go after kids uh, in in any of these somehow.
1: Yeah, no, he mostly just kills off people who mostly are assholes. Not exclusively assholes, but he seems to prefer asshole targets. Yeah. Or maybe they're the ones who get the most in his way and therefore have to die because of their assholeness. It's hard to say.
0: It's it's really more a characteristic of this one. It's it's not so much in the other ones. It's really just anyone who uh, inconveniences him in any way. Uh, in in the previous ones, I have no idea what it's like going forward because they the, the next one isn't for like I think actually eight years is, oh, is when the okay. next one comes out, uh, and I have not seen Bride of Chucky or any of the subsequent films.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I, I, I like parts of this movie. I dislike other parts of it. I do not understand how this could reasonably be part of, like, a violence TV uh, controversy. It's insane. I don't get it.
0: <clears throat> no, well, it, it was it was completely fabricated, and, like, they even knew it at the time. It just became yeah. this whole media cir- circus. Because, like, remember, this was also one of the key plot points in Censor. Mm, yes. Where, where they dramatize oh, that? How like, they find
1: out? Yeah, like it, it was like her. They had, yeah, they it had was, a scene where they found out that uh, like they didn't even watch Chad's play three. Yeah,
0: and and it was central to the film. Like she had been the one who had not edited it, and she was like racked with guilt. Even though, what would you right. have to in this stupid? Yeah, yeah, there's like not that. It's pretty tense. It,
1: it's pretty tame. This is like I saw at the end is like this film has been rated R, and I'm like, really? This? This is PG-13. Little, eh, little.
0: I think honestly R because of the swearing. He swears a lot.
1: Oh, that'll do it. That'll do it. Yeah. Um, aside from the swearing, this is this is a PG-13 movie. Aside from that,
0: it's pretty mild. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, it's it's fun, you know. It's it's stupid, but it, and and I do think it does have a little bit of resonance in terms of uh, concluding the Andy arc, making him actually uh, put some of what happened to him uh, into practice, and growing through it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's not a good movie, but there's fun to be had.
0: Yeah, it's not
2: terrible.
1: Yeah, um, I I did really like the climax because at this point I was just like, you know what. I don't care about making sense anymore. I'll just buckle in and go all in on this roller coaster shit.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, any last thoughts before we move on to part three?
1: Uh, no, I th- I think I'm about done with Child's Play three.
0: Okay. And we're back for part three, where we're talking about other movies we've watched in the past week and deciding what we're going to watch next week. So uh, we, again, we're just transitioning out of September. We. Uh, released episode two or episode or the previous episode uh right at, at the beginning of october but uh there were a few days at the end of september though uh before the record so uh there's some non-horror still in the mix
1: oh interesting well I'll, I'll make sure to stay on theme
0: yeah uh so uh first uh we we watched scanners uh thoughts scanners
1: uh, I don't want to think too hard or my head might explode. Uh, it's not the movie I thought it was going to be, actually. I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't that. It's it's like a dueling psychic movie, but I, I don't know. I, I liked it. Um, I liked the effects. They had a bunch of different ways to have uh, people's heads explode or show the reaction, like how painful it is to be scanned, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah I, th- I thought i really liked it
0: it's pretty cool really grody body horror you know canadian classic mm.
1: uh not as gross as i thought it was gonna be i thought there'd be <laughs> more head exploding
0: yeah i guess it's like i i feel like it's more gross but less frequently you know oh like yeah the, no i I, <laughs> I think the veins more
1: exploding heads would have ruined it
0: the veins yeah, stuff the at veins. the end is extremely Ooh. gross very nasty yes Uh, Okay, so we have 14 options this week. Uh, So let's dive right in. The first one is The Incredibly Strange Creatures Who Stopped Living and Became Mixed-Up Zombies.
1: (laughs) I love the title.
0: So this is Ray Dennis Steckler. Uh, I I introduced the box set last week, uh, The Incredibly Strange Films of Ray Dennis Steckler. So this is kind of his signature movie. Okay. Uh, Totally incoherent. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> right which is typical of his cinema uh, He is sort of You know the rebel without a cause type But he He becomes a zombie But like he he Looks like the great cornholio Because what he does is he just like <laughs> Pulls his shirt up Over and it's blue too So and, oh, and yeah, he God. just no you know he, he stabs people He stabs strippers uh, <laughs> it, it, Around the carnival area uh because he's he's uh hypnotized by the fortune teller lady oh. she's she's really vindictive, very jealous mm. uh she she likes to turn people into zombies and then uh when she's done with them, she pours acid on their faces and then for whatever oh. reason, she just leaves them all in a back room, so when there's enough of them, they can all rise up and kill her obviously at the end of the movie <laughs> uh,
1: feels like she should have thought that that might happen.
0: You'd figure I, I have no idea what she's keeping them around in, just like her back room for I guess to like mm. have them take out The next guy for a bit So that she can I don't know it doesn't end up working out for her obviously <laughs> But it's fun Set at an actual uh, California amusement park called The Pike uh, Which oh. they, you know it's just cool to see A whole lot of time at A real amusement park uh, In 60s California Right on. Cool. Uh, uh, long Beach. Uh, next up is a really different one: a Barry Lyndon.
1: Uh, that name rings a bell, but it, I don't, I can't place what it's about.
0: So it's our next Stanley Kubrick film. This was his big labor of love movie. It's, oh,
2: okay.
0: Uh, three hours long. It's based on uh, a chivalric era novel. You know, it's it's about. This scoundrel, this Irish scoundrel, uh, played by Ryan O'Neill, who you may remember from Tough Guys Don't Dance.
1: Oh, OK. Oh, was he? Uh, oh, who was he? Main guy. Oh, 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 so this isn't from like the 60s or is it? This is
0: 1975.
1: Oh, OK, OK.
0: This is his movie after Clockwork Orange.
1: Oh, right, right.
0: So like the the main thing about it is just it looks absolutely incredible. It's uh it's uh, like he's he's designed it so every single shot looks like a Renaissance painting. Uh, many of them mimicking actual Renaissance paintings. And It's just like every single shot is
1: amazing. Oh, interesting. All right. But it's
0: it, it's interesting. Like it's very long. It's like this three hour movie. It's a black comedy of his rise and fall. There's dueling. You know, uh, but but like the dueling is really not chivalric or glorious or anything. Like it's it's pretty. Uh, it, it shows how absurd it is and how horrible it is for everyone involved. Now, like kind how mm. of terrifying it is. Uh, okay, right on. Uh, it's a masterpiece, but uh, it's it's more difficult than his other films around it.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. Did this did this one do as good as like his other ones?
0: No, this you know? was a huge flop. This was a gigantic oh. failure. This is why uh, he next did The Shining, which was like five years later, because it's like, I need to get back in the good graces of the studio, and horror is easy to do that with. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, next up is Mutant Hunt. <laughs> it's sort of like a near-future thing. It's really lo-fi, and there's like these mutants. Or the or sorry, cyborgs that, okay. who have mutated because people have been Wait, giving what? Yeah, people have been giving psychedelic drugs to these cyborgs, and for whatever reason, <laughs> the drugs make them mutate, and then the mutation <laughs> makes them go kill crazy. Of course.
1: Okay, sure. Why not?
0: It's really low-fi, like really cheap, really bad effects-wise, but like kind of the sweet spot of just bad enough <laughs> uh, okay. lots of cyborgs being just like dismembered into bloody bits which is kind of fun uh, okay
2: cool. uh,
0: and, and one of them is it can like stretch his arm really far i don't know it's a fun <laughs> effect that they do a few times right on next up is moonraker our our last james bond in space yeah our, our last off model one before we started october I love it. (laughs) It's, it's crap, but I really like it. It's it's it's
1: probably, I agree. It's like my favorite bad Bond.
0: For me, it was like the definitive movie that made me understand the concept of self parody. Like when I originally saw it, I watched it and was like, Oh, this is a James Bond movie. That is a joke about the James Bond movies. Weird.
1: Oh, you know, I've never watched it through that lens before. Uh, I haven't seen it in a, Good long time
0: oh it just a hundred percent is that like it's so self aware mm, it, it, right like on. it's just a remake of the previous Bond movie, it's just it replace with replace underwater with space like it, it, mm. it's just a dumber <laughs> version of the previous movie, <laughs> and better
1: oh yeah, uh, I the jaws up. gets a redemption arc, <clears throat> yeah,
0: uh so killer Party, which is April Fool's day set. Canadian horror movie a Sorority Row Slasher Okay Where uh, it, it starts with all of these great little reversals Where like the first thing It's uh, this preacher Talking to a married couple And then a whole bunch of zombies show up And it seems like it's going to be A zombie type movie And that sort of fits with the poster Where there's a guy with a skeleton and, uh, But then it's people watching at a drive-in and then one of the people leaves to go get a snack and then the drive-in's empty and she comes back to the car and her boyfriend's gone. And then there's a monster and then it's a music video. So we're like, <laughs> you know, a good five minutes into the movie at this point. And like, okay, where where are we going with this?
1: Oh, and we still aren't on the layer of reality that the movie's on yet.
0: Of course. And then finally, yeah, we, we get out to that when it pulls out of the music video that someone's watching very intensely. Uh, and it seems like it's very important, or she recognizes something, but then uh, no,
2: nope. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: yeah. So like it's it's weird because she so she's uh, going to this new sorority house, uh, and uh, or she's a pledge for the sorority house. So it's all this hazing bullshit that they oh, need to yeah. go through. Yeah. Uh, And for some reason they're doing all of their big parties in the haunted sorority house where someone did this guillotine trick years ago that went terribly wrong and ended up with someone getting uh, horribly beheaded in a hazing accident. Oh, Uh, so (laughs) like,
1: like this actually happened or is it like part of the, is the story of the guillotine beheading part of the hazing?
0: I think this actually happened. And so like the, they're, like, they, they have to watch a film strip about hazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's really fun. Like, it just keeps keeps you guessing. There's a lot of reversals. There's one girl who's really tech-savvy, and she's geeky, uh, and she has her own guillotine trick that she hoaxes people with, and then she's supposed to do it again for the big party, but it's like, what if something goes wrong? Yeah. For the real okay. April Fool's party, of course. Yeah. Right. The, yeah. killer mm, the Killer yeah, Party. The Killer Party. interesting. Right on. Uh, next up is Mardi Gras Massacre. You've never seen Blood Feast, right? Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Feast.
1: I don't know if I have or not. The name sounds familiar, but it's also like such a...
0: <laughs> you'd, you'd probably know. <laughs> it's such cause... a
1: horror name.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's the original gore movie, this guy... Uh, who's creating the Egyptian feast, and he has to just keep sacrificing women, and it, it's extremely gory every time. This okay, is just a no, remake of that. that. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I like not officially, but it's essentially just that, except it's New Orleans, right? Uh, and there's just constant disco music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not?
0: <laughs> like every time he like picks up the knife, like ding 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 ding. Dun, 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 dun. It was like, Oh shit. <laughs> We're going to start getting <laughs> going. Yeah. It's weird. Very seamy, very grimy. Mm, right up. Next is shivers. This is another Cronenberg. Oh, okay. Now uh, this is, I, I guess his, his first actual feature film. Uh, so also known as they came from within. Uh mm-hmm. and, It's really squicky in its body horror. So it's this Montreal high rise. And it's on an island and it's gated. So it's really exclusive. And it's kind of a swinger community a little bit. Okay. So it's, you know, it's 1975. It's like kind of right in that dead zone between free love and AIDS where it's like, Mm. "Eh, maybe this isn't great. And they're starting to reflect on it a little bit. Uh So. Uh the the thing is there's these mind controlling parasites and they're uh sexually transmitted.
2: Oh, okay. Oh boy. All right.
0: <laughs> and they can also get into stuff and the thing is their primary side effect is they make people turn into sex zombies. Big problem for uh it being an STD.
1: Oh, that's a huge problem for the people but great uh, great benefit for the disease itself
0: yeah so it's uh it's it's very grim but it's also like really satirical obviously you know you're looking at the free love thing in the swinging 70s but you know we're it's 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 almost like prefiguring aids kind of looking at the oh, the panics to come
1: right right but yeah okay. it's, it's
0: it's awesome A really good movie cool uh next up is oasis of the zombies <laughs> So one of my favorite, Jess Franco's, but uh, not most people's favorite. (laughs)
1: Uh, This 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 name rings familiar. Is this one that's come up before, perhaps?
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. No, I I watched it last October as well.
1: Oh, right
0: (laughs) This is uh, his, how to describe this movie. Uh, So like, as as I usually say, hazy sex nightmare when we're talking about Jess Mm -hmm. Franco. This one's, you know, add zombies and it's the desert and there's nazis like nazi zombies
1: oh of course Uh, nazis make great zombies
0: yeah so like there's this oasis where there's all this supposedly buried and hidden nazi uh equipment and gold and uh people and guns that like everyone says is hidden and everyone's like oh well you know well you'll need a guide to find it and every time you go there, it's just like clearly there in front of everything. Like it's barely covered up in any way to the point (laughs) that I almost wonder if it's supposed to be satirical Mm. (laughs) where it's like, all right, all of these people just not even seeing all of this Nazi shit, just like barely covered (laughs) up in the least. And like, I mean, I don't know. Wait, Hey, Hey, here's this gun. Maybe I'll just pull on it really hard for a bit. And then, you know, they get got by zombies, of course. Uh, nazi zombies right uh also i it's it's really unclear when it's night or day which is really big problem because the zombies go away when it's daytime but like sometimes it'll be full day and there'll be zombies and they'll be like it's not day it's not safe to walk around at night like this it's like uh, man it is fully (laughs) noon in this image i i don't even know what you're talking about
1: (laughs) so they shoot day for night but then don't make it night
0: it's just fucking day for day. It's so weird. Uh, I mean, it's a real vibe. And and that's the thing with Franco. And, and that's sort of this one for me is like a really perfect Franco vibe where he just leans into the cognitive dissonance of how cheap it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right on.
0: Next up, mazes and monsters. <laughs>
1: oh, you sent me clips of this in the chat. Uh, Tom Hanks, what am I doing here? What are we doing here?
0: Uh, <laughs> game. Uh, <laughs> game. <laughs> this was a, a Dungeons & Dragons scare film. Uh, like, clearly made by a religious demagogue who wanted to... Paint it as as sort of like a a mixture between occult ritual and group therapy.
1: Okay. Because like, does it have any parallel to how actual Dungeons and Dragons works? Very.
0: I mean, there is a dungeon master, but they call him the Maze Controller. Oh sure. Uh, And like, they have a table and they play on a board that like they draw up and like there there are some vague similarities but they they also go larping in some caves which does seem like it's they they're setting up some disastrous thing that just never really comes to pass um okay. uh, like but they they seem to tr- believe or whoever wrote this believes that it's some form of group therapy where like you have to take on these characters so you can work through existing emotional issues that you have and they all oh, talk about but, that being why they're doing their D&D stuff.
1: Oh, one thing I've learned is <laughs> to don't bring your real-world emotional baggage into your D&D game. Well, that's uh,
0: so. That's kind of the thing, is that Tom Hanks' character is obviously okay. mentally ill. Okay. <laughs> and he is brought into this new Dungeons & Dragons group, and he takes it extremely seriously. And oh, yeah, so he, he just loses that game. Life. Yeah, that's that's what how it, things end up. Yeah, he okay. stops. He's he loses track of real reality. All right. It's supposedly based on a true story, but very very loosely, hmm. and apparently all the D and D stuff was totally overblown.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, none of these are ever written by anyone who's played D and
0: D. Of course not. Uh, next up is Hard Rock Nightmare. You'll you'll notice a the theme of like the the four or five of these movies that I watched Monday night. It was Monday night garbage night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> uh, th- this is the sort of movie that I'd describe as kind of like Scooby Doo with gore, <laughs> mm. <laughs> Just, uh, Z minus grade. It, this is directed by Dominic Brassia, who was one of the dead meets in one of the in the most hated Friday the Thirteenth movie.
2: <laughs> oh wow! Okay.
0: <laughs> I I think this has been covered on Red Letter Media, and it's kind of a favorite for some really goofy shit with that. So there's this kid, who his grandpa is just mercilessly teasing him that like I'm a vampire. <laughs>
1: okay, yeah.
0: And so we cut to the kid staking the grandpa, and the <laughs> grandmother screaming in terror. Oh
1: my god! Uh, All right.
0: And then, you know, we cut to the kid as a teenager and he's started a heavy metal band Uh, (laughs) and and they're going back. They're going back to the scene of the crime, uh, which he's inherited from his grandmother (laughs) now. okay. Uh, so his band are going to go and like do rehearsals and shit there. Hmm. Uh, And they're attacked by a werewolf.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so monsters are real in this world and the grandpa just wasn't one.
0: No. It it turns <laughs> out to be someone in a werewolf suit.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Like I said Scooby Doo but with gore. Uh. It's another relative who wants the inheritance, I guess. I don't know. It's very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My my favorite part is definitely uh there there's this one guy he gets his head swiped off, which I I don't buy could have happened based on uh the explanation later, but it doesn't matter. He gets his head uh. swiped off by the werewolf uh and you know his his dead body is there and like his dead torso and everybody runs up and it's like oh my god he's dead and someone says who is it and the same guy who says he's dead and like i don't know his head's missing it was pretty good
1: Uh, all right
0: (laughs) next up is slash dance (laughs) oh boy it's a, it's a shot on video one. A shot on video slasher movie.
1: Okay. Uh, I it, just see two very scantily clad ladies, one with a gun. and Oh, a, like a spooky guy with a knife behind them. But you have to really be looking to see him in the in the poster.
0: He's one of the three creepy red herring brothers who own the, the theater where they're I don't know they they're, they seem to be putting on A dancing review supposedly uh, But like It's Los Angeles they, they're obviously Not doing Broadway uh, it's Really chintzy and it's a small place I have no idea what sort of production They're doing the thing is people keep Getting slashed in uh, Auditions around this area So they're trying to figure out what's going on with that Yeah it's weird Just like cheap Casio presets Occasionally people get slashed it's garbage <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> nothing it's not happens good. it is just it's it's beyond bad to the point like it's mind numbing slash like I, I can't even really put together things that happen in it it's just like low quality video like it, it puts you into uh, a sleepy haze
1: oh no uh, so maybe we shouldn't pick this one for our second pick
0: Uh, Next up is Hollywood's New Blood, which is sort of a double feature with this. It's the same director. It's another shot on video one. I watched these back to back. They're both kind of hazy in my head. (laughs) (laughs) This one has a bit more of a hook to it, though. So it's these actors who go on an acting retreat, these young actors, teens, basically. (laughs) And for some reason, they're holding this on the site of a, a famous historical pyrotechnics accident where they blew up a house and killed an entire family. Oh, all right. This, this <laughs> rural, th- these evil rural backwoods clan who come back as zombies in this movie, of course. Yeah. But, like, the lowest of fies. <laughs> <laughs> right,
2: right.
0: For some reason, at the, the end of the movie, there's, like, a seven-minute music video where they just replay most of the scenes. From the <laughs> Audacious. Uh, oh, boy. It, it was bad, but it was kind of more fun than Slashdance because it was sillier. All right. Next up is Blades.
1: <laughs> Actually, yeah. So is this the one that's like Jaws, but it's a lawnmower?
0: Yeah, it's kind of a scene-for-scene scene remake of Jaws except it's on a golf course and there's a lawnmower instead of a shark. Like m- most of the characters have analogs. Most of the scenes have exact <laughs> things like they call back specific shots and dialogue and just weird moments. Like it's clearly a like deep fandom of Jaws.
2: Uh, yeah. Scratch! So
1: it's- yeah. I'm the only one that knows about this here lawnmower. You know who I am. You know what I do. I fix lawnmowers. I'm gonna fix this one real good.
0: Well, like this guy, he's he's a suspect initially because they think it's a lawnmower maniac first, right. obviously. So, like, you you have to do various adaptations for it being a lawnmower oh, of instead of a shark. Uh, yeah, and you know, in, instead of being uh, the Fourth of July, uh, whatever, it's uh, the Nevada Bob's Pro Am Invitational. <laughs> <laughs> You can't shut that down.
1: <laughs> no, not the Nevada Bob Pro Am Invitational. <laughs> That's
0: great. And last up is Raw Nerve. Uh, nope. This one's this is another super low budget one, but a little bit. It's it's mid. It's it's in between. Like it has actual actors in it. Okay. <laughs> uh, you got Jan Michael Vincent of like uh, Blue Thunder fame uh and glenn ford the final film role of uh famous hollywood actor glenn ford he's a they're oh. both cops <laughs> the, the budget is so bad there's a part where someone hits a phone with a hammer and like they're you know they're supposed to be like stopping the lady from dialing the phone because he's the slasher yeah but like if you if you look, it's clearly a phone made of cardboard because <laughs> they couldn't afford to break a real phone. Oh, that's
2: funny. Oh man! All right.
0: <laughs> so like, it's it's about a race car driver who's having these visions of a slasher. Like he sees through the eyes of the the shotgun wielding maniac who's just like running around town blowing people away. Okay. But of course, it's extremely low budget so it sort of plays like a weird soap opera most of the time because it's so cheap
2: right okay
0: uh but those are our 14 picks uh what do you figure
1: Ooh. um i don't know i'm i'm actually you know i'm leaning towards the uh the cronenberg one shivers
0: Shivers is, I mean, it's definitely the best movie of the bunch here, other than Lyndon, of course.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, That's my main reason for picking it. All these other ones, uh, I'm sure they have redeeming value, but Mm. none of them really seems necessarily like my kind of thing.
0: I think you'd really like Blades, and we'll totally have to watch that sometime, and probably Killer Party. And of course, Lyndon is a blast, but not on theme
1: yeah, I know. Yeah, let's let's do shivers then. Um, All
0: right. Yeah, shivers. But tools. we will
1: have to check out blades at some oh, point.
0: yeah, for sure. Uh, so, uh, in the spooky stacks, not a lot of major changes. Uh, nothing much newly risen. Obviously, I added scanners too, so uh, you can pick any of the scanners movies if you wanted to cover any of those. All right. Uh, notably, the last thing on here, band is a roberta findley movie someone who kind of doesn't like any of her own movies and kind of doesn't appreciate people who like her movies because she feels that they're all garbage (laughs) Uh, and probably they are this one is a never before released is from the late 80s and it's about a smooth jazz guitarist who becomes possessed by the uh evil spirit of a murdered punk rocker (laughs) okay
1: cool (laughs) Uh,
0: just a funny premise it's probably awful
1: (laughs) <laughs> right on. You know, I was I noticed on here, and it's something that I've been thinking about that I haven't seen in an awfully long time. Mm. But what's in the box, man? What's in the box? Seven. I kind of i I, I, I want to do seven n.
0: So seven n. So uh, seven n. It's a great movie. The uh, second
1: movie named Seven that will be that we'll be covering. Oh, yeah, that's right. We
0: did the 79-7 by Andy Sedaris. Uh, Uh, A completely different
1: movie from this. Yeah. Very different. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I haven't seen this one since, oh, God, such a long time.
0: It's a good one. It's one I revisit fairly regularly. But, yeah, okay, cool. So uh, sticking with a serial killer theme kind of like this one. Uh, So uh, next week, then, we'll be doing Seven and Shivers.
1: Uh, Excellent. Sounds like we got an S theme. I did not do that on purpose. Uh,
0: so, uh, any last thoughts before we uh, close for this week? Uh, <clears throat> sorry, I coughed the shit. Uh, oh have, no, that cough there. Um. <clears throat> oh. Y'all right? Yep. That's, I think it's got that cool, better. Cool. Um.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to find out what's in the box
0: uh yeah uh I mean, you've seen it, and it's uh, i I know you, what's goop. in the box, yes, it's goop um.
1: <laughs> 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 oh my God, oh shit, that's her that's que <laughs> I, I forgot about that she's she went off the deep end
0: goop with paltro so uh yeah, next week, uh seven and shivers uh thanks everyone so much for listening uh, uh and
2: as always, game game game